This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden sands and watches the ships that go sailing somewhere beyond the sea. She's there watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to her arms I'd go sailing. It's far beyond the star, it's near beyond the moon. I know beyond the doubt. Great, great song by Bobby Darren. Unfortunately, uh, left this plane too early in his life. All the songs, all the jingles he created, and how he changed up at a certain point, moving in the direction of Frank Sinatra, and yet then country western. He did it all. Went to the Bronx High School of Science, and probably his... uh, most publicly uh, acclaimed song was Splish Splash. You know, I'm taking a bath, I think. And uh, he actually created that with his very dear friend Murray McKay of the Swinging Soiree, who was responsible for the Beatles coming to New York. It was not WABC, as has been said time and time again in revisionism. W.A. Beatles C. Incorrect, ladies and gentlemen. It was not our colleague here, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey. It was Murray the K wearing his fedora, his checkerboard jacket, and coming up with great songs and great jingles in company with Bobby Darren. And one day, basically their brains were numb. Bobby Darren wanted to come up with a hit song. Murray the K, the swinging soiree, said, hey, I got to get to my gig at WINS where they were spinning stacks of wax, top 40. So why don't you pick up the phone and call my mother? What do you mean, call your mother? What do you think, I'm a mama Luke? Say, no, 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 call my mother. That's where I always get my best lines from, my best jingles, and my best songs. So Bobby Darren is wondering, what? I thought it was you, Murray the K. Yeah, well, some of it, but it's mostly... My mother. And after an hour on the phone with Murray the K, the swinging soiree's mom, he came up with his greatest hit of all. Splish, splash, I'm in a bath, or whatever. That's incredible, ladies and gentlemen. But just as Murray the K, the swinging soiree, was a Mama Luke, so is Frank Morano, who is missing in action. He is missing in action. We have absolutely Jack Diddley squat any idea of where he is off vacationing with his lovely wife, Rachel, and his 18-month-year-old son, Carmine. So we're going to try to figure it out. He owes it to all of you. 
The Other Side of Midnight, which you listen to, and you should listen to it Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. We'll catch in on the backhand side on the podcast. Uh, might have indicated some hints of what he was doing. But I'm telling you, uh, I failed to be able to connect the dots. All I know is when he took off late Friday, he was ranting and railing about Wildbrook, New Jersey, claiming that they were violating people's rights, how unfair, how unscrupulous for the mayor all of a sudden to pass an ordinance that would not allow you smoke on the beach, vape on the beach, uh, do puff-puff pass with weed on the beach, and most importantly, drink on the beach and the boardwalk. Oh, was he exercised so much so that he demanded to come on the show at 5 o'clock at WABC, our place to be, which involves our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, and uh, our colleague, Rita Cosby, and their band of contributors. And he was so insistent, which would give me the impression that maybe that's where he is. Maybe, just maybe, that's where he is. There, there are many things you could say about Atlantic City, but one thing they will never do is make something illegal there that's a vice. <laughs> They're only legalizing things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so the, first of all, just to be clear, it is technically illegal to drink alcohol on the beach in New Jersey. But almost everybody does it as long as you put it in a red solo cup or keep a closed container or you handle it responsibly. It's one of those laws that's just kind of not enforced. So now the Wildwoods uh, Board of Commissioners did just two days ago is they've decided that they're going to get cracking down on this. The boardwalk and the beach, you're not going to be able to have any alcohol, even if it's in a closed container. I think this is a real overreach. I mean, going to the beach without a hard seltzer or a beer, that's like going to church without praying. It's terrible. And if, <laughs> if there's a problem with young people drinking or if there's a problem with rowdiness, arrest them, give them citations, find them like crazy. But for all the literally tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people that can go to Cape May County every summer and enjoy a can of beer on the beach or on the boardwalk without getting rowdy, why should they be punished? This strikes me as just another attempt to raise revenue when it's the tourists that's putting the money into these beach towns in the first place. Wow, he got all exercised over that one. What, were they going to take away his beer bong cup? Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, it would seem to me to suggest that Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, is probably at Wildwood with his family, or Cape May. He mentioned Cape May. Or where do you think he is hiding out? Because he should have been here. You know, that's part of his responsibilities Monday through Friday, 1 to 5 on the other side of midnight, his nationally syndicated show. And yet, he's no show. Fathom a guest, please. We got to track him down. Uh, this cannot continue. I mean, at this point, I am uh, attempting to actually add on to the record that I created just uh, three months ago of the longest-lasting series of broadcasts within a three-week period of time. Make that three-day period of time 72 hours. It was 30 hours before. I quantified that and then uh, put it into the Gannis Book of uh, World Records Board of Directors. 
to assess its validity. They haven't even come back with that one yet. And John Katsimatidis has cast me with a new responsibility. Curtis is going for the record. And the record now has been established at 40 hours within 72 hours, three days of broadcasting. But again, Frank Morano missing in action. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, boy, even the panel of contributors on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, even they noted, wow, what faux anger. You know, you seem to be taking this very personal, Frank. <laughs> you seem very Rita, what would, lead, what would you lead you to that conclusion? <laughs> Frank, we love you. Why is it hitting such a chord with you? <laughs> well, no, honestly, look, especially a weekend like Memorial Day weekend. Right now, I'm on Staten Island, but I'm across the street from my neighbors, John Charles, Tara. They're all listening to us right now. They're all big fans. They're all, they all have a beer in front of them right now, which is technically illegal, but no one's coming out and arresting them because they're they're handling it responsibly and there's a lot of beachgoers that can do that uh responsibly all the time so for a relative it's like john says about the migrants and about the bail reform issue for whom do the bells toll do the bells toll for the 300 violent criminals that are holding new york city hostage or they do they toll for the 8 million new yorkers that want to live in a safe city for whom do the bells toll at the jersey shore is it the uh are we rearranging our lives for the 2019 year olds that can't drink a beer without being jerks or the 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people that can go to the Jersey Shore, have a beer on the beach and chill out without being a jerk. It, to me, it strikes me as a dramatic overreach. I don't know what Wildwood is thinking here. Wow. Did he sell his friends out? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Where in the world is Frank Morano and Carmine and Rachel? 1-800-848-9222. The one thing, though, we learn is that he is a, a real contrarian. He doesn't fly an American flag on the lawn of his home in the South Shore of Staten Island. He flies a New York State flag. For I just wonder why Frank just gave up his neighbors. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm drinking. <laughs> who are drinking, well, listening to us. Uh, well, you know, it, there's a long-running feud. I, I put up a New York <laughs> State flag, and one of them took it down and replaced it with an American flag. So it's my way of getting back at them by publicly outing them. Who puts up a state flag? If I flew that state flag in front of 100 New York State residents, only about one out of 100 would know what the hell that was, and they're probably a state employee. Who puts up a state flag instead of the American flag? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, there is uh, his garb. So where do you think Frank wearing his beach garb would be? Cape May, Wildwood, or parts unknown? When you're on the beach, do you like to uh, strut around in a Speedo or a thong? <laughs> I wear a um, pretty standard swimsuit. Usually I'll wear some uh, some flip-flops. And then I will, uh, you know, I'll wear a T-shirt and a baseball cap to avoid sunburn. Oh, you know what I will wear instead of a baseball cap sometimes? Unless it's very windy, I will wear a... Um, 
umbrella cap. I have an umbrella hat that I'll frequently wear when we go away to Cape May. And I find that, in all seriousness, I'm not joking, very effective at keeping the sun out of your face. An umbrella cap? It's got to be joking. People wear umbrella caps. They get taken in for a psychiatric observation. Flip-flops and an umbrella cap. My, no, no, my. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then he was telling us that apparently he's on the boob tube tonight or last night or tomorrow night. I'm not totally sure. I think I've pinned it down, so I'll be helpful to all of you. But this is what he was moaning and groaning about. I mean, he was always saying, why aren't I on TV? How come I'm not like Sid Rosenberg? How come I'm not like Curtis Lee on TV? How come they don't tap me for TV? Well, now apparently they have. I, I, I'm always reminded why I say no to television appearances. And uh, today, they I, I agreed to appear on... Um, on a on a television program, and it's a pretty widely watched uh, television program. It's hosted by somebody like I'll tell you more about it uh, tomorrow. But I forget how much of a pain these are. You got to travel to the studio. You got to upend your whole day, and they want me there at five fifteen for makeup. Oh, poor guy! Pretty widely watched. Well, it turns out, according to the promos, that he's on News Nation with Dan Abrams. I don't think anybody watches that. What is News Nation? Isn't that that Fugazi uh, channel that Chris Fredo Cuomo is on now, attempting his rebound, his resurrection, his comeback? News Nation. Where would you find that on the cable dial? With Dan Abrams? And apparently his uh, co-guest, I guess you would call it co-guest, is Jim McGreedy. You remember him, the governor of New Jersey, who said, I am resigning because I am a gay American. No, you resign because you are corrupt, so corrupt that when it comes time to bury you, Jim, they're going to have to get a black and dick of power drill, drill you right into the ground. Did anybody see Frank Morano on News Nation with Dan Abrams? I mean, what is that, a UHF channel? You know where you have the rabbit ears? Uh, what, what, what is News Nation? And this was the big announcement. This was pretty widely watched. I don't know by who. Probably not even the engineer who's supposed to be monitoring it. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well... Frank Morano is constantly taking time off, more than he should. I have a suggestion, and this is to the crew that works with him, as we have here uh, Matt Blaze, definitely an alias, no doubt about it. We have, uh, normally it's Kenneth, the runway model that uh, Frank is uh, for toots about, but he's missing in action. Maybe he's hanging out with Frank, you know, a midlife crisis, you never know, in the hot tub with that umbrella hat on. And, of course, in the background, there is the nighttime producer, Alec Barnard, spelled L-A-E-C, who is a Marilyn Manson lookalike. And substituting for Kenneth, the runway model, is Avery from the best side of the other side of midnight that I do along with Broadway Bill Lee, uh, 
all day Saturday morning, all day Sunday morning to the break of dawn. When we come back, I'm going to introduce you to who I will be suggesting to John and Margo Katsimatidis replace Frank Morano in the future. Anytime he's out, missing in action, for any bull feathers excuse, I've got the perfect hostess to substitute for him, and she has earned and made her bones in talk radio. Interviewing people that Frank Morano would never be able to interview because he wouldn't be able to understand the angle to the dangle like this hostess can. 1-800-848-9222. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. So good. Let me rub your back where you say so. Oh, God, so sexy. Come on, get closer and closer, so close to me. They're going to throw their teddy bears up on the stage. It's Teddy Pendergast. Yeah. Come out, baby. I got the substitute from Frank Morano. She has crossed the line. And she has interviewed triple X-rated porno starlets and a man who supposedly bedded down 10,000 femme fatales in his lifetime. I've waited all day long just to hold you in my arms. And this is exactly like I thought it would be me loving you and you loving me. Sing it, Teddy. Sing it. You are going to be surprised, ladies and gentlemen. I have the perfect substitute for this gold brick. Frank Morano, missing in action. We have no idea where he may be. But believe it or not, she's almost a centurion, right? Is that what you would call it? A hundred years old. And the woman exudes sexuality. Oh, my God. 
There was a woman 103 years old the other day who said that she is sexually active. And that has created within her the ability to crack that 100-year barrier. She has the urge to merge each and every day. Oh, my God. Look out, guys out there. She's on the prowl. She's on the hunt. But the person that I am going to recommend is John and Margot Katsimatidis to substitute for the ever-missing-in-action Frank Morano always seems to come up with an excuse for disappearing to parts unknown. Oh, it's his uh, brother's getting married. He had to go to Atlanta, bachelor party. Instead of going to strip strip clubs there, the capital of strip clubs, he stayed uh, in a uh, no-tell motel. Motel 6, a Super 8, watching wrestling films with guys wearing their BVDs and Fruit of the Loom wanting to imitate the wrestling uh, forms of, whoa, Ric Flair. Weird. Weird. So I've had it, ladies and gentlemen. I can't always be at the beck and call of Frank Morano. I can't always be there at the very last second to substitute. So I am recommending our own Cindy Adams. And I'll tell you why. When it comes to sexuality, Frank is a prude. He is, um, what can I call him? Uh, he's a fuddy-duddy when it comes to that. You know, he talks uh, about wanting to interview Senator Cinema of Arizona, not about this budgetary process that has led to a compromise between Joe Biden and Speaker McCarthy. No, 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 no. To raise the debt ceiling. He wants to talk to her about bisexuality and she will give him no play. Just like Tulsi Gabbard won't even return his phone calls. But Cindy Adams, nobody says no to Cindy Adams. She just interviewed for a full hour. And you can hear her shows Sundays from 1 to 2. Triple X rated sometimes. Who would have ever thought? Cindy Adams. Triple X rated. She just interviewed Lisa Ann Kapora. That's a triple X rated sex goddess. She's been in like a hundred sex films. In fact, most recently... She imitated governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin, remember, who could see Russia from a kitchen window in six adult films. And I might add a music video. Mm. You know where Lisa Ann was born and raised? The town of Larry Holmes, former world heavyweight champion, Easton, Pennsylvania. I know a lot of you guys are saying, yeah, I remember I went to high school with her, yeah? Yeah, you probably went over across the bridge to Phillipsburg in New Jersey over the river. Wow. You ever see that movie there, Avery, my first ex-teacher, number four? Oh, Avery's getting all excited in there. You didn't interview her. Frank Morano didn't interview her. Well, I didn't interview her. I don't do interviews. I am getting excited. But Cindy Adams interviewed... Lisa Ann, maybe the top triple X rated actress in the business today. 
What do you mean by fine focus? Well, how do you get a guy ready when he's not ready? Not that I haven't experienced some of it, but how do you do that when a camera's on? Sometimes he needs to pull himself into another room, maybe get away from the chatter that's been going on on set. Um, For him, it's a mental game. For these guys, it's really a mental game. So usually it takes them just having a little bit of time to themselves to refocus. What? <laughs> Come on, Avery, a minute. You never would have thought that Cindy Adams would be interviewing a triple X rated sex vixen. I don't get it. Like, not not her. Like, Lisa Ann is past her prime. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> come on. She like LeBron. Like, LeBron is like almost 40 now, so you don't interview him now. But, like, back when he was 28, yeah. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. You just don't understand. The Sarah Palin she did was legit. Yeah. Ron Duguay, the former Ranger hockey star, always refusing to wear a helmet. Remember? So much so, he got traded <laughs> to the Detroit Red Wings. He was always in page six. You realize all the women he was with? Madonna, Cher, we go right on down the line. His coach said to him, hey, Duguay, you either put a helmet on and keep your schlong in your pants, or we're going to have to trade you. And he said, you can't trade me. I am the Rangers. Next day, guess what, Cordy Howe? I'm your teammate, Detroit Red Wings. Let me tell you something. Can I hear that? Can I hear that question again? Cindy Adams, she's no prude. That's for sure. Let's hear it. What do you mean by fine focus? Well, how do you get a guy ready when he's not ready? Not that I haven't experienced some of it, but how do you do that when a camera's on? Sometimes he needs to pull himself into another room, maybe get away from the chatter that's been going on on set. Um, For him, it's a mental game. For these guys, it's really a mental game. So usually it takes them just having a little bit of time to themselves to refocus. Wow. She does direct, too. That's good. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't think Cindy would know anything about the business. Now, Frank would never do an interview like that, right? A little too risque, right? Well, Cindy Adams asked Lisa Ann about the flesh light sex toy. Curtis is going for the record. Somebody told me that there was a story that there was that they were doing they were creating an artificial vagina do you know anything about that uh i have one it's called a fleshlight and it is molded it's wait wait wait, wait start again it's what say it slowly because i'm very limited tell me again it's what it's called a fleshlight f l e s h l i g h t so it looks like it's in a, a holder like a flashlight uh, but it's actually a, a, a mimic. It's molded exactly identical to the stars in the industry today. It's a product that sells that we get a commission for lifetime off of the product. And uh, so, yes, it is a sex toy for men. Did you hear the conversation she had? Cindy Adams. What? She's about 100 years old. It's incredible. Cindy Adams was born before we became WABC. We just had our 100th anniversary, WJZ in Newark, and then they flipped over the Hudson. We became WABC. Cindy Adams remembers that. My God.
this is really cutting edge. This is like risque. Woo. And then, of course, Cindy Adams bored in on Lisa Ann, who is best known for playing Sarah Palin in various pornography films that were rated at one time four, five, six, and seven in the catalog. Tell us about pornographic films you have been in. Uh, well, I couldn't list them all, but I'll say the most relevant would probably be Who's Nailin' Palin. I got to star as Palin, Sarah Palin in Larry Flint's series of Who's Nailin' Palin, and that was kind of groundbreaking at the time where Palin was chosen to be McCain's running mate in 2008. What? <laughs> I understand that. We all know that. What did it have to do with Sarah Palin, actually? Oh, we used a lot of her taglines. I mean, during the scenes, I had to say, drill, baby, drill. Uh, I had to say, you betcha. Uh, we wrote her kind of life story and kind of pivoted around of, of the things that were actually going on in her actual life in the very first movie, Who's Nailing Palin? Wow. Notice all of a sudden, Matt Blaze is paying attention. He never pays attention to the Frank Morano show. Avery is all excited, and even Alec, uh, spelled L-A-L-E-C, the Marilyn Manson lookalike, is now all of a sudden in the booth. Yes, that is correct. Listening intently. That's a damn good interview by Cindy Adams. I am going to suggest to John and Margot Katzmatidis that the next time that Frank Morano takes time off, which will probably be next week, probably will claim he had a fever in his foot, that we have Cindy Adams as his permanent caddy, as his permanent substitute. But it doesn't just stop with Lisa Ann. When we come back, Cindy Adams interviewed Gene Simmons of KISS. Gene, who's claimed that he bedded down more femme fatales than Will Chamberlain did. And this guy, as you know, has been thrown off of sets, interview sets... Because he would get raunchy with a female interviewer. In fact, one female interviewer smacked him right across the face. And Cindy Adams apparently said, yeah, you get me. You get me, Gene Simmons. I'll, 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 I'll drill down on him. Wow. Never, ever, ever would have thought out of everybody here at WABC. The one who turned out to be the most cutting edge, closest on the line to jeopardizing our FCC license, would be the queen of New York City. You don't want to get on her bad side, Cynthia Adams. Up next, if you're part of the KISS Army, and you know they're making their last tour, that's it. They're going to hang up there. What, 70 pounds of of uh, garb that they wear to do their concerts? But Gene Simmons, whose tongue could actually reach his ankles. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Just happened to be a triple X rated vixen doing uh, porno films while also doing disco. This was a disco classic. The moment that this song would be played by the DJ, everybody would be up on the dance floor because it wasn't too fast, wasn't too slow. You'd do a nice hustle to it, nice Patty Duke. Listen to the melody right now, flow. Here we go. Andrea True, more, more, more. Good melody, good flow. Not too loud, not too soft. It's a disco song about doing porno films. <laughs> I never paid attention to it. It was just a good dance song. Hey, this couldn't happen today, man. I am telling you, I must have danced to this song at least a dozen times. I never listened to the words. Yeah. This is the first time I'm listening to the words. They wouldn't allow it today. Cindy Adams is like, like off the hook. By the way, uh, I want to go back to her exclusive interview with the triple X rated porno queen, Lisa Ann, who is best known for playing Sarah Palin six times in porno films. And as I said, it was rated the number four, five, six, seven best porno films of the last century. I don't know my. Can I hear that last one, please? Uh, talking about Sarah Palin in uh, porno. Tell us about pornographic films you have been in. Uh, well, I couldn't list them all, but I'll say the most relevant would probably be Who's Nailin' Palin. I got to star as Palin, Sarah Palin in Larry Flint's series of Who's Nailin' Palin, and that was kind of groundbreaking at the time where Palin was chosen to be McCain's running mate in 2008. What? <laughs> I understand that. We all know that. What did it have to do with Sarah Palin, actually? Oh, we used a lot of her taglines. I mean, during the scenes, I had to say, drill, baby, drill. Uh, I had to say, you betcha. 
uh, we wrote her kind of life story and kind of pivoted around of, of the things that were actually going on in her actual life in the very first movie, Who's Nail and Palin. Let me tell you something. You do not want to miss Cindy, Cindy Adams every Sunday afternoon, one to two. It's right after church. No, they say don't play her program until after 12. Until after you've gotten out of church there, uh, uh, pastor boy here, uh, Avery. Wow, who knew? By the way, you got to listen to Cop Talk. Uh, boy, that is a uh, great, great, actually, show in its own right, starring Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder in a podcast. I mean, it's really good. And they broke news about Sarah Palin. You know, Sarah Palin said she'd run with Donald Trump as his vice presidential running mate. Exclusive to Cop Talk with Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder. All you got to do is go to WABCRadio.com. Check it out. Although I don't think it's triple X rated like this. Now, from, from interviewing Lisa Ann, Cindy Adams interviewed Gene Simmons of KISS. It's got to be the biggest perv in the world, right? And still going strong. And so she asked about what is Murch's. <laughs> and so was born Kiss almost half a century ago. And since then, we've been able to get literally thousands of licensed and merchandised products. Crazy stuff like Kiss condoms, Kiss caskets. We'll get you coming and we'll get you going, Cindy. Well, thank you, but don't push me too far. I still have a radio program to do. Can you? <laughs> wow. Look, I, I, I'm telling you, I love to substitute forever who's away. I'm like a Pac-Man, Pac-Woman. I'll eat up to real estate here and you'll never get your time back, Frank Morano. But I really think that because it is overnight, right? It's the time where you would normally get a little risque as opposed to during the day. The next time that Frank Morano is away, which seems to be every other week, why not Cindy Adams? Right? Remember Robin Bird? Does anybody out there remember Robin Bird on, uh, what was that, Cable Access? They used to put those kind of programs on. And then there was the guy who was the publisher of School Magazine. Does anybody remember who he was? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I think Robin Bird is still alive. That would be the perfect interview for Cindy Adams. I don't know who's older, Cindy Adams or Robin Bird. Although Robin Bird would never wear any clothes on when she'd be interviewed. No, 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 not a nudist, not a naturalist. This is just the way she was. Cable access. I mean, that was an extraordinarily popular show in the wee hours of the morning. Look, Avery getting all excited over there. He's going his past and would never understand this. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Then here's Cindy. Cindy Adams with Gene Simmons on Gene's father himself. My mother had gotten divorced from my father, who was a hound, had four or five other marriages and half-sisters and half-brothers all over the place. 
I guess he was doing the Lord's work. The good book says, spread thy seed, and he took no prisoners. He was just bang, 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 bang. Uh, it and, seems to me his son is doing similarly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're I, you're I out there doing have, the work, honey. I so. certainly have <laughs> sold my soul's, uh, oats, but uh, I've been married to Shannon now quite a few years, and this is the only marriage I will ever have. You know, when I was in Israel, and I was traveling up and down from the Golan Heights down to uh, Elat, that was my favorite. You look to your right, there's Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. You look to the left, there's Aqaba from Jordan. You look through the Red Sea, you could actually see the tip of Saudi Arabia. But Haifa, Haifa is a city on the coast that's half Arabic, half Jewish. A lot different than most of the cities in Israel, which is only the size of, like, the state of New Jersey. And do you know when I was in Haifa, I'm sitting there, right, thinking, what was I having, a falafel or something? Something with hummus, you know. The, the Arabs eat hummus, the Jews eat hummus. I got hummused out. The guy comes up to me, an American, right, who's living in Haifa. He goes, you know who was born here in Haifa, Israel? I said, no, tell me. Russell Simmons of Kiss. No, no, Russell Simmons. No, no, Gene Simmons. No, Russell Simmons is the perv of Def Jam, right? Oh, God. No, he was responsible for the three young Jewish boys, Booker boys, remember? Who got together. It took them seven years to be recognized by the city council because they hate Jews. In fact, they had the number one rap song of all time. Who is that, Matt Blaze? Let me see if I can scrub your memory right there. Who is that? Oh, it's the Beastie Boys. Of course. I had my wrong Simmons there. Russell Simmons, Def Jam, became a perv, but was responsible for Beastie Boys. They were all going to NYU at the time, not with Frank, who was also a violet at NYU. And that's how that all came together. It took the city council seven years to recognize the Beastie Boys with a little plaque on Rivingston Street in the Lower East Side. And I believe it's because they were Jews. Look, look. What was it? Biggie Smalls? He got a mural in six days. And uh, the degenerates out in Staten Island, 36 chambers of death and destruction, Wu-Tang Clan, Got their own plaza there on Tarjay Street in the shadow of the Park Hill uh, housing development and Stapleton Project. Think of that. Well, that was a lot of information to process from Haifa in Israel. Hey, hey, Curtis, guess who was born here in Haifa? Tell me, right? Tell me, uh, Itchak. Gene Simmons. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? 1-800-848-9222. But Cindy Adams was not finished with Gene Simmons yet. Gene Simmons will do what? What are you going to do? Sit home and crochet? What are you going to do? Well, uh, I'm the male of the species, so we tend not to crochet. Okay. But we'll buy you the stuff so that you can crochet. Thank you very much. Smartass. Yeah, go ahead. See that? You don't want to mess with Cindy. What do you think of that idea, Avery, of having Cindy Adams substitute for the other side of midnight? Because this is generally when you would do risque shows. 
from uh, like about one in the morning to five when Frank does his, his nationally syndicated show. You want to bet the ratings would be through the roof. Cindy interviewing porno stars. Those from the sex industry. Those who are roaming the night looking for love in all the wrong places. I, I can see it now. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Let's go to Hannah in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Hannah. Hi, Carlos. This is Hannah, the cat lady. How are you? Good, good, Hannah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to say, first of all, uh, the person you're talking about is Al Goldstein. That's right. A show called That's right, and, Al uh, Goldstein on yeah. cable access. And boy, you yeah. talk about ratings. Yeah, he passed away uh 2013. Um, he was pretty much penniless. Um, but yeah, so sad. He died in a nursing home. Um, moving forward, I, I you talked about Robin Murray. I actually worked with her a long time ago. And um did you know she and her husband ran you know the show that she had? It was on public access on um channel thirty five I believe. Um uh, Manhattan Cable. Yeah. And um uh, right. And did you know her husband her used to own Shoal? Used to be on Forty Second Street on Eighth Avenue. No, and I, that's where she taped her show. I yeah, did not know that. Yeah, and um, she got you know when Giuliani you know became mayor, she got a lot of like uh, letters, really threats by the Giuliani administration to take her off, and there was a lot of like controversy, you know. Yeah, no, no, she, 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 I, one thing I remember, Hannah, is that on a cable access program, she had more ratings than network programs at that same time. Cable access. Yeah, even actually, I remember those days very vividly. I remember people actually recording on VHS and selling bootleg in Britain, England. This is how famous she became. She was world widely known. I mean, she was a, she once was a soft porn. Well, I don't know soft porn, but she did porn in the beginning and then became, you know. Yeah, but uh, to me, it was amazing to think that you could have a network show on at like two, three in the morning, and that Robin Bird, on a cable access show in Manhattan, had higher ratings than network shows. And she was really witty. She was funny. You know, very entertaining. Had a lot of eclectic guests. But then again, nobody has more eclectic guests than our own Cindy Adams. Before anybody interviewed Andrew Evilage Cuomo here at WABC, it was Cindy who first interviewed him on his attempted comeback. 13, 13. 
Uh, you see, you're so engrossed in Robin Bird, in Gene Simmons, and in Lisa Ann. It, it, it threw you off your A game here, Mad Place. 13 and 15. You think you got that? Is that too difficult for you? Look at this. It's unbelievable. This is what I got to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. Sort of like the uh, remnants of the Frank Morano crew. You know, Broadway Bill Lee, he would have had it right away, Avery. He'd have been right on it. I, I, I have a feeling you're not you're not going to be able to get it. You're not going to be able to get it. You, you ruined the good bit here. My God. You would think you would have this ready in advance, right? Knowing I was in a flow. Can it be that maybe you're just not warm and fuzzy? Is that what was needed and wasn't there? First of all, I'm not fuzzy. I don't want to be fuzzy. I don't even know what fuzzy means. I'm from New York. We don't have fuzzy in New York. And then she asked him about what page six would be most interested in. A new woman in his life. And I must tell you that uh, it did make news. It was his first interview, his first um Let's say baptism uh, at the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC, since uh, he had resigned from the governorship. And it was his first opportunity to speak to all of you, Andrew Evilize Cuomo. It was not his last opportunity. He eventually appeared with John Katzmatidis and then in that no-holds-barred interview with Rita Cosby. How about another new woman in your life? Is it possible? Is it possible? Why? Do you have any recommendation? No, but listen, I know people. I mean, I'm, oh, well, I'm interested in helping my friend. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you know someone, keep me in mind. I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm going to suggest to the owner-operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, who have known Cindy Adams forever. To our uh, president of operations, Chad Lopez, the next time that Frank Morano decides to do the bird, not the robin bird, but the bird, and fly away somewhere, I'm going to suggest that Cindy Adams take his place. And you know something? As good as she is on that cutting edge, especially for overnight radio, he may never get his spot back in a month of Sundays. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
Now, 10 million people did exactly that over this Memorial Day weekend. Many of them will be coming back within a few hours towards the end of the day and then a stream the following days. And there have been a just a plethora of all kinds of stories on planes where it's almost become like roller derby, getting to your seat, putting luggage in the overhead compartment, fights that have been taking place in the plane, on the entranceway to the plane, attacks against the stewards and stewardesses. I don't think I've ever experienced so much problems involving air flights that have gotten down to people having fisticuffs. And I certainly would like to ask all of you about that because I haven't had an opportunity to fly in quite some time. Really, uh, almost ceased and desist flying, which I used to do often before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. But there's been just so many attacks of fellow passengers, of ticket agents, of uh, stewards and stewardesses and cops themselves, security officers who come onto the plane and try to untangle people. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So not having been too hip to that of late and knowing that many of you actually have been out there in air flight or involved in the industry, catching your flights, preparing the meals, operating as mechanics, doing maintenance, any number of things that are absolute necessities for these planes to get into the sky. I saw that incredibly plane after plane was taking off from LaGuardia earlier today. Make that earlier on Sunday when I was in the annual College Point Memorial Day Parade. It seemed every five seconds another plane was coming right overhead. You could almost reach out and touch it. Because LaGuardia Airport is right there in the bay, right next to College Point. I said to myself, man, look at all these situations taking place. Look, as much as I like to uh, blame the Secretary of Transportation, Buttigieg, 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 who's almost off as much as Frank Morano. Do you notice that, Matt Blaze? I mean, let's face it, Buttigieg... is almost off as much as Frank Morano is. It's always a domestic situation. Oh, my and my life partner, we got to take care of our, our little bambino. Isn't that pretty much what Frank says, right, about little baby Carmine, 18 months? By the way, he was trying to chew into a Peel's beer can at some beach, I think either in Cape May or Wildwood or Belmar. Uh, and flip the top off of it. Peels. I haven't seen a Peels beer can in years. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You know, recently there was a woman on Spirit Airlines, and she gets into a flight with her boyfriend and the flight attendant for looking at other women. So she's on the flight, Right? She's strapped in and ready to take off. And she's like hollering at her boyfriend because he refuses to take his eyes off of other women on the flight and the stewardesses. By the way, do you still call them stewardesses and stewards? 
you know, to me, they were always uh, airline attendants, right? Male or female or transgender or anyone of 72 different sex gender identifications or whatever sexuality they were engaged in. You know, maybe the Mile High Club. Who knew? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. But let's go to that recent uh, battle, that Royal Rumble on a Spirits Airline flight. As the flight attendant, Stuart, Stuart, it's, what is the correct word? I'm still not sure. 1-800-848-9222. As the stewardess tried to save the guy from getting killed by his girlfriend because his eyes were wandering. Shut the f up. Yeah, you better believe it. I wear the f in front of public. You want to try to look at other women? No, f you. You ain't going to look at other women, and you ain't going to tell me you're looking at other women. Yeah, I know. I consult the child. There's a little boy right behind you. I already know. I look, I'm not going to say nothing if you don't say nothing and try to cause a commotion because he's a problem. You want to try to fix it? So shut the She beat the hell out of her boyfriend. She picked up his laptop and slammed it into his head. I don't, I don't ever remember this kind of behavior on flights. And when I was organizing guardian angels all over the United States in the 80s and 90s, I used to take people distress, a.k.a. people express. You would take it at the North Terminal at Newark Airport. I mean, 1999, you could fly all over America. The only problem was... When you went to the ticket counter, the same guy who processed your ticket took your luggage, put it into the uh, compartment underneath the plane, then was flying the plane, and once it was on autopilot, was walking up and down with generic peanuts and generic cola. And I would say, who's flying the plane on autopilot? Don't worry about it. The first no-frills airline. Who remembers People Distress, a.k.a. People Express, they were all brown. They were painted brown. You could go anywhere. Birmingham, Alabama. Who went to Birmingham, Alabama? I think it was like $49. And then round trip, right? $99 to L.A. And back, although you didn't go to LAX, you went to some airport in the middle like Palmdale, you know, in the middle of the desert. It took you like four hours to get to L.A. But what the hell? $99 round trip was worth it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then there was the woman on the Delta Airlines flight in Atlanta yelling at another femme fatale. Shut the f*** up already. Shut the f*** up. You. You're the problem. You're the problem. Shut the f*** up. Now. Shut the f*** up. Because I'm crazy. Uh, Avery, uh, 
it's clear based on the voice intonation that these are a number of sisters with attitudes, SWAs. What is it about sisters on airplanes, man? They're like breaking wild. How the hell can you be an attendant and deal with this? You got to... You got to come to blows. You got to come to fisticuffs. But the best story of flights out of control came out of Trenton. I didn't even know Trenton had an airport. But anyway, a um, frontier flight from Trenton scheduled to go to the busiest airport in America, Fulton County in Atlanta. And a woman was voted off the frontier flight after an argument on the tarmac. This is like being voted off of Survivor, right? The show. Video posted on social media shows a woman being voted off a plane following an argument before her flight took off. If you want her removed from the flight, please raise your hand. It happened Wednesday on the tarmac as a frontier flight from Trenton to Atlanta was getting ready for takeoff. It all started when a couple began arguing when a flight attendant over a seat. One po- at one point, a man even threw money on another passenger. The two were booted off the plane by ground crew members. That's when other passengers took that vote to throw off a third person. A woman, they say, was also involved in the argument. She was removed by a man who said the airline can't have fighting at 30,000 feet, but despite the Disruption. So far, no charges have been filed. Because the airline couldn't afford to have fighting at 30,000 feet above the ground. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Somebody being voted off the flight? Now, I have had experiences where once you get seated and they're giving you the instructions, the same old instruction, you know, put the mask on, do this, do that, and all that. You can see they're just going through the procedures. They're like robots there. But looking around the plane, there were people I really wanted to vote off the plane. They were, like, disgusting. They would take off their shoes and their socks. They'd have their bare feet, right? And, I mean, it would stink up a storm. And it didn't matter how much circulation of the air you had. People, they would take off their shoes and their socks. And you would say, what died? Something died on this flight. And there was nothing you could do. You were already up in the air. And then, of course, there was a guy who would go back into the bathroom and for some reason would just sit there for the whole flight. I don't know if he was scared and just didn't want to come out and look out the window because some of the passengers would leave the windows open and it would cause some people incredible angst, incredible problems. I've never seen anything like this before. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Michael on Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Curse, you're the man. Um, The fact that you're taking over for that Mama Luke um, and you're breaking the record all weekend is amazing. Curtis is going for the record. Um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Now, uh, I was listening to uh, the animal uh, show earlier, and you said that you hate Canadian geese. Why do you hate Canadian geese? Michael, have you ever met a Canada goose, a.k.a. Canadian geese, that you like? 
you're absolutely right on that point, but I do have a good story to tell to um that Nancy was in love. Um, I live across from a little uh, waterway where the Canadian geese bring their babies across the street. And it's, you know, Nancy would love it. You would love it. I think you you love animals. Um, no, no, Michael. Well, my, my wife is one thing. I hate Canada goose, a.k.a. Canadian geese. I would round them up and deport them. And when they were bringing children across that tributary, you know what they were doing? Just like the illegals, sending their children ahead so that they could stake a claim to America. Look, they're from Canada. Trudeau should deal with them. They leave big poop everywhere. You slip, you fall, and then they come right at you, and they start putting their beak in your face, and they want to bite off your nose. Haven't you ever seen that before? Yes, that's a true story. I agree with that. But, well, it's not. But the actual uh, thing that I wanted to say was that um, so somebody ran over the head matriarch of the geese with the babies. And it was devastating to me because I happened to be seeing it. So I brought that um, goose, as you would say, back to the, uh, to my lawn. Uh, And I tried to uh, regurgitate, well, well, revitalize. What'd you give it? CPR? I didn't go that far. Mouth-to-mouth resuscitation? Did you give the Canada goose mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, Michael? No. Curtis, I called everywhere from Friday. This happened on a Friday night, and I called every place on Long Island that I could to try and find somebody who could help these animals. No answer. You know, let me tell you Um, something, Michael. You should have called Ottawa. You should have called the offices of Twinkle Toast Trudeau Jr. and told him, Take your freaking <laughs> Canadian geese back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. They poop on every single field. Let me tell you Let me tell you how embarrassing uh, this was, uh, Michael. I was invited to the home in Saddle River, New Jersey, very upscale. That's where Richard Nixon last lived before he, uh, he passed away. Leon Temis, uh, uh, Sixth Avenue Electronics. He owned a number of those firms. And he said, hey, why don't you take Anthony out? There's a playground across the street. There's a big park. I said, yeah, he'd love that. We went across the street, and all of a sudden, it was like uh, a scene out of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. All the <laughs> all the Canada ge- goose, Canadian geese, were staring at me. And the moment I put Anthony on the swing, and I started to swing him, they launched an all-out attack on my feet. I agree with you on that. And, and they, and they tripped me. I, they they tripped me, and I fell on their poop. And, I mean, I had it smeared all over my body. And let me tell you something. Canada goose poop? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, we, we got to send them back, definitely. Or at least give them food where they're not going to poop so much. 
so when they get hit by a car, you have to rescue them, and that's what I did. Well, you, 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 you did the you did the right thing, Michael. Even I would acknowledge you did the right thing, but you know something? That's Canada's problem. We got enough problems here, and and they they allow these Canada goose Canadians. They don't force them to use any kind of contraception. They don't do trap. Yeah. Uh, spade, uh, spade, and then neuter, and then release. They don't do any of that. They let them walk around like they're Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are? And if you come anywhere near them when they're mating and they're in heat, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, Michael. Totally true. And, Curtis, uh, the main reason I called is that you need to take over Frank Moreno's uh, position on these late nights. No, no, I'll, I'll tell not- you why, Michael. No, no. We have the substitute. It's Cindy Adams. This is the kind of time in the wee hours of the morning when you can get a little risque. When you have somebody like Cindy Adams interviewing porno stars, uh, Gene Simmons, who supposedly bedded more women than even Wolf Chamberlain, with a tongue that goes down to his ankles, and of course... Uh, the eye of every Cuomo sexual out there, Andrew Evilized Cuomo. I mean, come on. She would be perfect for one to five Monday through Fridays. I kid you not. Look, I'm a connoisseur of talk radio. I know what great talk radio is in the wee hours of the morning. And it's got to have a little bit of that titillation. Frank Lorano, it's like, what can I say? It's the best way to describe him. Is like the white Urkel. I mean, no, just ain't there. Sorry, just ain't there. Let's go to Karen in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Karen. Here I am. I thought it was funny when you said People's Airlines, because I flew on it, and it was so inexpensive, and they collected your your flight money on the plane. And one time it was really a cheap flight. I fell asleep. They never even asked me for my money. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That was a really cheap flight. Not that I was trying to cheat them. When I got off, I said, oh, my God, they never asked for the money. Now, did they so give they you. They consider did, did, it besides. Did they give you your generic cola and your generic peanuts? I guess they didn't. They didn't think I needed it. They never woke oh, me to wow. give me that. You were Maybe able. I looked a little meaty. Well, so, look, anyway, it, it, it was it, a great airline. It was. But I didn't know the guy who flew it was the steward, also. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So you get finally you're at the North Terminal in Newark, and the planes would always be late. You know, they'd always be late. But what the hell? For 1999, you could go anywhere. And so I you know, finally you finally get to the ticket counter, and the same guy who's flying the plane is checking your ticket and then putting your luggage underneath the plane itself, then takes off, then starts walking up and down the aisle with that that little wagon there giving you the generic peanuts and the generic cola. And I simply asked him, who's flying the plane? And he said, oh, it's autopilot. Don't worry about it. That's like in Wyoming, the same thing. It was the smallest airport. The guy took your ticket, then he ran to the plane with the luggage, then he ran. It was like a one-man show. It was amazing, and that was maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. No, no, no. These, uh, the, I'm telling you, there was never an airline 
worse than people distressed, but cheaper than people distressed. You got oh, what yeah, you paid for. It went all over. Oh, so. I mean. And we love your show, and they better not take AM radio off the air. That's all I listen to since I'm like 20. So, Karen, Karen let me that. ask That's you. Crazy. Let me ask you a question. Um, since that was only about ten years ago, what was the? Oh f- yeah, that's what you think. What was? If I flew people airlines. You put the numbers together. So what was the first AM program you listened to? I think it was with Bob Grant, the, the talk radio, wasn't he on? Yep. Seventy-seven. The, yeah, the that's King of Talk Radio. He he introduced so many people to listen to talk radio because he was such a great entertainer. Such a great entertainer. Yeah, and it was informative, too. I liked it. And then you could read up on what you were most interested in. You, you know what uh, what Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, would do from time to time to break up the political talk, the current events talk? Uh, Rico Radabali, who is like our senior producer here, remembers because he used to be the board operator for the uh, Bob Grant show that once a month Bob would bring a dominatrix into the studio who would actually whip him on air, and he would describe what was happening, Karen. But, hello? Okay. She was stunned. She was stunned. WMCA where Bob Grant first came into the New York City market, that's where he first had the dominatrix come in and whip him on air. I remember listening to that as like, uh, what, they call it a young adult teenager. And then he did it at WABC. He had been exiled to WWDB in Philadelphia. Great, great FM talker there. I went to visit him there. And uh, he said, yeah, they want to bring me back there. They're changing the format of WABC from spinning stacks of wax, top 40, to talk. And eventually they brought Bob Grant back. They had exiled him to WWDB in Philly when when Rizzo, Frank Rizzo, was the mayor. Oh, he was great there. He was great here. He was just great. G-R-E-A-T. Let's go to John, who's calling from Williamsburg. Your turn to be heard here, John. Yes, I Good evening. I would like to personally thank you. You're the only show on WABC that has the promo for Bernard McGurk. May God rest his soul. Nobody mentions him most of the day. I don't know why they don't. You do it three times from 12.15 to 1 o'clock. And we have to remember him. And a lot of people are very upset. Maybe you could take it on in your cause that Sid should have the same promo as you. There's no reason why not. Sid never loves to talk about him anymore. We have to bring it up. He was a good man, and he was loved by a lot of people. You're absolutely correct, John. In fact, uh, I continue to sit shiver for the loss of the great Bernard McGurk. In fact, when we come back, I'll tell you the importance and the message of what we all learned from the early demise of Bernard McGurk. Probably the best two-way guy in talk radio in the history. He was a great producer, a great talk show host, combined both, and had to deal with the abuse of Don Imus for years and years and years. And I'll never forgive him because um, he and uh, 
Lou Rafino, the board operator now for Sid Rosenberg, came in to the studios of WABC, and that's when I knew I was going to no longer be the morning talk show host with Ron Kuby, whose mommy was to call me at that point. They fired Ron, and then they they warehoused me. I know it's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. WABC. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Another great disco song, never really paid attention to the words, just went out, did the hustle, Patty Duke, the bump, great, great music. I wondered though if there was any relevance, any real deep meaning into this song, Fly Robin Fly. And then earlier uh, on Sunday night as I was preparing to come in and complete my attempt to establish a new Guinness World Book of Records for a radio broadcast within 72 hours, three days, that would consist of 40 hours. Curtis is going for the record. My wife uh, ended up saying to me, look at what this Dylan Mulvaney said a year ago. Ladies and gentlemen, a year ago. Not a day ago, not a week ago, a year ago, before we even knew who Dylan was, whether he was a man, a woman, or somehow in the midst of changing his gender identification. He was out in Cali, Cali, the state in which he was birthed by his mom and dad, I think. 
And listen to what he said. Here's a guy who has caused corporations to now lose billions, billions. Nobody drinks Bud Light anymore. I, everywhere I went today, right? You know, guys, you know, gas guzzlers, no Bud Light. Miller Light, yes. Coors Light, yes. No Bud Light. And this might be one of the reasons for it. So I recently told my parents that I may be a little bit romantically interested in women. And that was a big shock for them considering the past 10 years of coming out as gay, then queer, then non-binary, then trans. And I think it was just a bit of a shock. So I tell my dad and he goes, well, I would love to see you get a woman pregnant. And I said, oh, no, no, no. She would be getting me pregnant. And then he said, what, do you have a vagina now? And I said, never say never. And then I tell my mom and she goes, I would just love to see you own property one day. And in California, that's sort of, you know, a, a parent's dream. It's not having kids or getting married. It's, it's, are you able to own a house? Um, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Is this not the most bizarre thing you've ever heard? This is Dylan Mulvaney a year before she became the controversial figure that helped take down Budweiser, transgender Anheuser-Busch. That's what I call the company now. And basically put the uh, Clydesdales out to pasture. The poor Clydesdales haven't worked since she got the uh, samples of Bud Light, the customized can of Bud Light. The Clydesdales haven't worked. They've been put out to pasture. That entire corporate structure is crashing as we speak. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. By the way, on the matter of uh, Bernard McGurk, who we honor by every time we come back from a break, recognizing that this studio that we all broadcast from are the most powerful news talk station in the nation, number one, second to none, is the Bernard McGurk Studio. Died at the age of 61 far too early. He was in very good shape, took very good care of himself, and uh, was not uh, breaking uh, night to the dawn. No, no, no. Family guy in Long Beach would take care of himself, eat the right foods, Get proper rest, exercise. Certainly not like me. You know, working 24-7, 365. He paced himself. But what a great producer all those years for the Ima Show. And then a contributor to the Ima Show. Great wit. Great comebacks. And then eventually great talk show host in his own right when he was given an opportunity denied to him and Sid Rosenberg by Imus himself to host their own talk radio program. Problem was, he had certain symptoms that generally would have led one to believe that maybe he got prostate problems, you know, prostate cancer. And he ignored them. And he never took a simple PSA test, which is a prick of the finger, a blood test. That's all it is. You don't have to squat and bend. The proctologist isn't putting on his Playtex gloves and all of a sudden searching your inner sanctums. No. It's a simple blood test. And every male should be getting that PSA blood test, the test for prostate cancer, starting at the age of 40. The government will tell you 55. Ignore the government. 
start doing it at 40. Bernard McGurk never did it. By the time he sat down with me, because I am a cancer survivor, I had stage four prostate cancer. Did the dumbest thing in my life and had it removed, and I'm paying the price every day since. But I sort of understood the symptoms, and he explained to me that the pain was overwhelming. And it turned out after going through his own testing eventually that it had metastasized to his liver and caused Bernard to suffer the last year of his life, even though he continued to contribute to the morning show and its success. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Steve in Bay Ridge. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Good, good, good morning. Yes, Steve. Are you there? Loud and clear, Steve. Okay, brother. Hey, listen. Uh, I, I got a couple of things. Hopefully, you're going to be at the parade tomorrow in Bay Ridge, correct? Well, I'll probably be on WABC at this rate because I've been tasked. Uh-huh. I've been tasked with the responsibility. Okay, Curtis is that's going number one. Okay, all right, all right. Listen, I, I got a you know you know you know De Blasio, he lives in that Park Slope area, that, you know the dummy over there. Okay, and and a part, the Polish American, there was a, a monument at at uh, at, uh, uh, uh the, what was the name of that 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 uh, the manor on on a Prospect Expressway. The prospect, the prospect Hall Manor. That's correct. It was run run by Polish people in the beginning, then the Greeks, and uh, now it's a residential high rise there. You know, a low rise, not a high rise. And whatever happened to the monument? There's a monument. First of all, the the Prospect Hall Manor was great. I loved it. They used to advertise on TV. It was so ostentatious, it would make you think you were in uh, in Austria, in Vienna. It was really yeah. so well my, constructed. My, my parents, my parents were, when they were married in the Polish church on 24th Street, that's where they had their uh, reception. And, and when my first son was born, that's where we had his, uh, you know, when the, the, the boy was born, we had a, a party there. And, and it's gone, and, and no one knows nothing about the monument. The Polish American uh, war heroes. Hmm. Well, it I te- just disappeared. I'll tell you what, Steve. Uh, like so many statues that have disappeared, like the Christopher Columbus statue in downtown Newark. Yeah, yeah, right in the park there, George Washington Park. What are they going to change the name to George Washington Park? They want to do that. Yeah, they want to. I think they wanted to change the name of the park off Broadway Market to uh, Harriet Tubman Park. No problem. No problem. There's plenty of George Washington Parks. Well, what'd you do with the Columbus statue, guys? Hey, Raj Baraka, where you took that hostage out of Christopher Columbus statue? And I noticed the Supreme Cuisines on Bloomfield Ave. Oh, the Italian ward. You think Tony Imperiali would have put up with that when he was alive? Hell no. Big Tony would have. There would have been a hell of a price to pay. But the rest of you Italian stallions, you geldings. You let Raj Maraca snatch that statue up in the middle of the night. 
They didn't desecrate it. They didn't vandalize it. They took it down. That had to be the city of Newark. You know, the malfeasance of the mayor, not even to publicize that they were taking it down. Where are you Italian stallions in the north ward of Newark? Oh, that's right. You you moved to nearby Bloomfield. And Wayne, New Jersey. Wayne. Who moves to Wayne, New Jersey? Italians. Who's in Wayne? I'm Italian. I'm in Wayne, New Jersey. If I got to listen to that one more time, I'm going to shoot myself in my head. Did I ever tell you how I got lost in Wayne, New Jersey? I'm going around, and everybody there, they got lawn and gardening. You know, everybody, they made statues, old Roman statues. So I'm walking around, and I say, enough of this, Wayne, New Jersey. If I want to if I want to see Italians, I'll go to Bensonhurst. I'll go to Diker Heights. I don't need to be walking around lost in Wayne, New Jersey. So I go to the train station, and they tell me, oh, the train only runs during rush hour. New Jersey Transit. I said, Manana Mike, what do you mean it only runs during rush hour? It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I got to get back to New York. Oh, well, you got to wait for rush hour. It only runs during the rush hour morning and the rush hour evening. What the hell am I going to do for three hours in Wayne, New Jersey, except look at these old Roman statues. You know, they look like there's water coming out of the little boy's pee-pee. I mean, the little cherub, right? Freaks. That was weird. Lost in Wayne, New Jersey. (laughs) I I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemies. And everybody there, hey, I'm Italian. I live in Wayne, New Jersey. Yeah, why don't you get a can of Chef Boyardee ravioli, right, and warm it up for yourself. Yeah, you're the kind of Italians in Wayne that go to Olive Garden and you think that's a real Italian restaurant because they give you extra breadsticks in a basket. Ooh, we got to go to Olive Garden. Or you have so much garlic, your breath stinks. And no matter how many times you, 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 you try to rinse your mouth out with Lavoris or, or Listerine, that's right, Listerine will burn a hole right in your mouth. It's still the, the stench of garlic is there. You need to talk to the person across the room. Oh, man, there's nothing worse than somebody with garlic breath. And it takes days for them to get rid of it. one 800 Let's go to Brian in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brian. Hey, good evening. I'm a huge fan, voted for you despite being an Irish Catholic Democrat. I did vote for you. But I got a beef with you, and it goes like this. Sid Rosenberg and yourself, a couple others, from time to time, are always knocking Don Imus. I'm just curious as to why. I mean, he was a huge talent. He offered a lot to the city. Uh-oh, what happened to Brian? You see? Oh, yeah, hold on a second. Did you get yourself in a better position, Brian, because you got cut off? Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the car. The, uh, a, a lot of us who do trauma surgery in the city would wake up in the morning after a long night and listen to Don Imus, and he was hilarious, and he was a magnificent interviewer. And I'm just curious as to why you guys are so often denigrating him and knocking him, because I thought he was he was a huge uh, asset for the industry. Well, you're right about that. Remember, he was a tremendous talent. He surrounded himself with very talented contributors. He was a a genius at doing that. The problem was, Ryan, when he would go to break, and I experienced this myself when I was in the control room, he would be screaming invectives at uh, 
Vernon McGurk, who was such an integral part of keeping that show together. Because at times, the guys, they wanted to stage a mutiny on the bounty. I mean, it was really bad the way he would treat them. And then, you know, they get back to the broadcast that you would hear, uh, and you would hear the best of Don Imus. Unfortunately, once uh, he was off microphone, he was terrible. Oh, he was horrible to deal with. And I only experienced a little bit of that. But these guys who had to work with him every day, they were totally paranoid and fearful of him. He was like the Wizard of Oz, screaming and hooting and hollering and yelling and threatening. And then you pull back uh, the drapes and you recognize that it was all a facade. He would actually pull guns on them in the studio, Brian. You understand that? Pull a gun on, on his people that he he went out of his way to employ. Uh, he wanted them part of his team. And the moment he had any kind of a disagreement with them at times, he'd pull a gun on them. Yeah, but guys like Charles and Bernard, they seem to be very close to him. I'm very surprised to hear this. Well, towards the end of his career, because I didn't know him personally towards the beginning of his career when obviously we're all, we all tend to be better when we're younger than when we start aging. Uh, I got to, to experience him at the end of his career. But I will tell you this, Bernard would feed him the questions. Bernard would read the books. Now, maybe it was because he was beginning to fade and he was beginning to uh, have all kinds of physical issues because he lost his lung. He had difficult breathing. So I didn't really see him in his prime. But I'm telling you, uh, Bernard kept that show alive. He And he sucked it up. He never complained, Brian. Never complained. Well, that, that's interesting to know. But the, the one thing you have to wonder, and I see it all the time among surgeons, guys who behave like that and are so Jekyll and Hyde often have demons. You know, they have insecurities that are very deep-seated. And maybe Don Imus was one of those people. I'm sorry to hear all that. But I thought he was a huge asset for you guys. Oh, big time. Big time. One of the all-time greats, although I will define it. When I come back, I'll explain what, for me, was the straw that broke the camel's back. Can I say that? I can't. My wife will get very upset. You don't want to break a camel's back. Where did that come from? Can somebody explain that expression that we have heard or used ourselves a thousand times or more? The straw that broke the camel's back. First of all, how could straw break a camel's back? How idiotic that sounds. Yeah, How much straw would a camel have to carry for its back to be broken? Almost like the size of the Empire State Building going up. I'd love it if anybody out there can tell me how that term came about, what it means, and why we keep repeating it, because it makes no sense whatsoever. 1-800-848-9222. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. And I can do it If I just believe it There's nothing to it I believe I can fly I believe I can touch the sky Now, see, we'll play uh, the pedophile on a pedestal. 
Michael Jackson on a regular basis, right? Nobody seems to be perturbed. But you play uh, this pedophile on a pedestal, R. Kelly, and everybody wigs out, totally wigs out. I'll continue to explain uh, why Don Imus was a bad, bad, bad guy. And the record speaks for itself. After Bernard McGurk was so helpful to Don Imus, especially towards the end of his career when he was fading, times almost incapable of breathing, they would go to a break and he wouldn't return from the ranch and they would have to just fill in stuff because he uh, only had the one lung. He had like a respirator. It was bad. But he became a real bad curmudgeon. So Bernard had always hoped to get a show of his own, but not by himself. He always had this idea that he and Sid Rosenberg could do a show. And so he went to Imus first, and he said, Don, they're opening up a slot from 10 to 12 because Geraldo Rivera, the diva of all divas, would not give up his office at the old WABC to the CEO of Cumulus who wanted that as her office. How stupid was that? So he was on his way out and they were looking for a replacement show. And so he goes to Imus and he says, Don, I'd really like to do the 10 to 12 show, and I, I'd like to do it with Sid Rosenberg. But I need your blessing. And he says, you don't have my blessing. I don't want you doing that show. I want Mike Lupica to do the show, my friend from uh, wherever the hell, uh, you know, Yankee land in Connecticut, where the super rich live. Now, Mike Lupica is a great sports writer. I love reading him in the Daily News. He really captures a lot of stuff in his writing. But as a talk show host, he sucks. Heard him on ESPN Talk Radio? Horrible. Saw him on uh, ESPN Talk TV Sunday mornings, uh, sort of a roundtable discussion of sports reporters? Horrible. Just He just didn't have Comissi Quad to be a... Uh, Talk show host, great writer. Be like asking me, could you write a column? I bomb out. I can do talk radio better. They were on the cusp of signing Mike Lupica to do a talk radio program at the old WABC, 10 to 12, Monday through Friday, and he would never come into the studio. That was the agreement. He'd be doing it from somewhere in a cave, in a missile silo, in a bunker in Connecticut. I said, that's crazy. This place, other than me, nobody's going to be doing their broadcasts from the studios at WABC. We might as well turn it into catacombs, storage, or a mausoleum. And I walked into the offices of Chad Lopez. I said, you can't do this. You can't sign that contract with Mike Lupica. You've got to give Bernie and Sid Rosenberg a shot that they deserve. And he said, well, you know, Imus doesn't want him. I said, of course he doesn't want him. Because he knows they're going to replace him. You see, I knew, having been in this business for so long, that Don Imus knew that his protégés, Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg, would eventually replace him in the mornings. He should have been proud of that. 
he should have talked about that. You know, one day you guys, you know, you're, you're so good at what you do, you're going to be replacing me when it's time for me, you know, basically to take uh, my last ride out, to, you know, into the sunset. But he didn't. And he wanted Mike Lupica. And that would have been a disaster for WABC. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. different meanings what ladies and gentlemen did naughty by nature mean when they sang this classic rap song opp the acronym stands for something 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-wabc what i did is i co-opted what uh, naughty by nature did by the way uh its leader tretch Oh, my God. Guy had a chain around his neck, uh, you know, and he had like a Yale lock. I wanted to wrap it around his neck and pull it tight and basically squeeze the life out of him. This guy was a thug from East Orange. And you know who also was with them from time to time? Queen Latifah. Except I don't know if Queen Latifah sort of swung my way or a different way. Never knew early on. Now, how did I know Queen Latifah? I really didn't. She happened to be named the queen of the um, upcoming, I think it's in two weeks, annual parade in Coney Island, the Mermaid Parade. She was the queen. And guess who uh, the king was? Yours truly, Curtis Lewa. Yep, yep. It was the both of us walking around there like we were from Egyptian times. And I was walking around right off surf with no shoes on. And it was like 105 degrees in the shade. And I burnt the bottom of my 
the soles of my feet because I wanted to prove I was a macho, maniacal man to Queen Latifah, who was my queen, although I don't think she liked guys. Well, in a different kind of way. I'm not quite sure of that. But she was my queen. And we walked around, strolled around in the annual Mermaid Day Parade. I'm sure some of you have been there. And then at the end of it, you walk down to the shoreline of Coney Island. And by the way, you're dodging the flotsam and jetsam that's floating on the surface of the water there. Boy, is that a cesspool. And then she takes out of the basket that she was carrying as uh, Queen uh, Latifah, a.k.a. Queen Neptune. I think it was Queen Neptune, whatever. She throws all kinds of fruits and bananas into the water. And then it was my job as King Neptune to go in there, swim, recover it, and bring it back and put it in her basket. Now, was that a heathen thing to do or what? I mean, that was hedonistic. And I did it. And the reason I was out there swimming around like Flipper was that it helped cool down the bottom of my feet that had all boiled up and it was impossible to walk on. But that, that was my experience as King Neptune in the annual Mermaid Day Parade, which uh, should be about two or three weeks away. That's the place, Matt Blaze, that all the freaks want to go to and play. How did it become infamous worldwide? Well, it was the first place in New York City where the participants, it started on the boardwalk, were uh, showing their mammary glands. These were not only women, but men who had large mammary glands. Now, I don't know if they were men, women, transgenders, non-binary. They didn't have those terms then. It was sort of she-male, male-she. But it was a freak show. And the gangbangers would line up on the boardwalk and hoot and holler and try to cop a feel. And that's how we guardian angels got involved. We had to keep them distanced from the femme fatales that were showing their, their mammary glands, but not their nipples because they had little pasties on it like they'd have in the old strip shows. And they were all dressed as if they were, uh, what can we say? They were all, whoop. They were all dressed as if they were mermaids, sirens, ready to cause you, like merchant seamen, to crash into the rocks. It was decadent. It was debaucherous. It was so Coney Island. And I'm proud to say that in the year 2000, I was King Neptune, and my queen was the real Queen Latifah. What an odd couple we were. That's about the oddest couple you can imagine. I want to let you know from time to time I had jungle fever, spikely jungle fever. I did not have jungle fever for Queen Latifah. There was something about her in which it was like, no mas, no mas. I don't go that way. Boy, am I skirting the issue on that, aren't I? But anyway... In my resume, not only did I finish third in a dirty water hot dog eating contest at Nathan's Famous in 1996, but I was King Neptune in the year 2000, and my queen, the real Queen Latifah. Huh? Huh? I tried to match that resume, huh? You think Frank would have brought Carmine to the opening of Coney Island today? No. No. 
Coney Island, the tradition must stay alive. Stay alive. Dino's Wonder Wheel, you're 150 feet up, and then all of a sudden you're in those containers, and they stop, and they don't move. And if you're claustrophobic or you're in fear of heights, you got trouble. You'll probably be projectile vomiting, but that wheel ain't moving. It's been up there for like 100 years, but you get a chance to see everything. And then, of course, the old roller coaster there. Oh, I'll never forget after I finished third in the Dirty Water Hot Dog Eating Contest and Nathan's Famous. I told Bobita Hariani, who was our newswoman there, I said, give me 10 minutes to make sure I keep it down, and then I'm going to do a man's man thing. We're going to walk over the cyclones, and we're going to ride the cyclone. She said, you are crazy. I said, I'll tell you what, you can hold the bucket just in case I upchuck. But I held it down because I'm a man's man. At least I think. Although, how crazy to be stuffing those hot dogs down your throat. The salt giving you a catatonic rush that you had to lay on the ground because you felt you were going to stroke out. Ah! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But, of course, I adapted this song in parody form to AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors, better known as Sandra Ocasio, resident of Tarrytown Heights, and went to Tarrytown High School, not Parkchester. No, no, no. She didn't go to uh, Dodge High School, which used to be all-female, or Lehman High School, that used to be all-female. No! She went to Tarrytown. Tarrytown? Yeah, I think so. Whatever. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's see if we can go to... Calavito in Columbia, South Carolina. Your turn to be heard here. What's up, my brother? I know the acronym for that song, OPP. That's other people's property. Excellent. uh, Excellent. But there's also a secondary meaning to OPP, the acronym. All right. I also have the mayor, the mayor, Eric's favorite song. I know it. His favorite song, which is um, by Wu Tang, and it's Cream, and it stands for Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Try that one. You're right. Wu Tang Clan, thirty six chambers of death, destruction, and doing puff puff pass. You are correct. He loves to rock that on his Spotify list. Show me the money. Show I was, me I was, the I was money. A That's what it's all about. You heard, Curtis? What? I was a garden angel when I was about 11 years old. Now, wait a second. How the hell could you have been a guardian angel at 11 years old? We had this kid in our neighborhood. He was a little bit older. They called him Karate Angel, and he always hung out in New York in the subways. And I think he might have been a guardian angel, but he had the jacket, and he had the... the uh, the satin jacket, and he would go to karate school in the Heights in Jersey City. And after karate school, 
he would teach us all karate, and we would go on the path trains and just make and do and patrol the path. And I was like probably six, probably six one, six two. I was probably twelve years old. Mm. And it went good. I'm retired law enforcement, Patterson, New Jersey. Patterson, New Jersey, up the hill or down yeah. the hill? First ward or uh, fourth ward? Fourth. But listen, I was one of those precinct rats. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, by the way, you, let me ask you. Let me ask you. You, uh, haven't said, you haven't said anything this week. I haven't heard you say anything about Fetty Wap that got sentenced on Wednesday for trafficking cocaine. Oh, wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I got to get my feel of Fetty Wap. I got to close my eye. He has has that song called Trap Queen. It was the number one song for like a year. Uh, He's from Patterson. No, I I know that, but we're not talking drag queen. Uh, (laughs) Curtis, you are the man, baby. Hold on a second. Here we go. Little Fetty. Yo, in the house. Fetty, what? That's right, man. Bring down the house, you Fetty. Benjamin's all in my pocket. I traded them my truths for some robbers. You play it, Batman. Fetty's gonna rob her. Hey, I got a Glock in my Rory. Hey, 17 shots, no 38. I got a Glock in my Rory. Then the girly girl is shaking the booty, doing the old rap routine, you know, money in his hand. Don Perignon. Let me hear a little more of that Fetty. With his eyes sort of like circulating in, out, and all around. Then he got his BBDs hanging down his tuchus. You know, he gets out of his drive, you know, where he's pimping behind the wheel, driving with one finger. Then he gets out and he looks around and goes, you know who I am, I'm Fetty Wap. Meantime, you're doing six years. Why? You didn't make enough money? You were bringing in kilos of cocaine? And notice, he didn't do it in Patterson. He did it in Long Island. Now, you know Fetty. Fetty's going to be somebody's Maytag in jail, man. You remember the towers, right, Curtis? Yep. Yep, now I you remember kn- you I remember you were back down there like in the eighties, like eighty six, eighty seven. Right by the waterfall. Yeah, by the waterfalls. You were you were there at the towers. Now there's only one building left, I think. I gotta tell you, one time, one time when I had the Guardian Angels, all of a sudden the gangbangers there, which there used to be so many. And we didn't know our way out of Patterson, so I said, let's let's go over to the waterfalls. They wouldn't be stupid enough to follow us there. And then all of a sudden, they did follow us there, and I thought we'd have to go over the waterfalls in a barrel. What do you think the chances of surviving would have been? Zero. <laughs> did you see any scenes with shot in the Sopranos? It was all in, in the, uh, in the uh, falls. That's right. Let me tell you something. 
That's the most amazing thing about Patterson. In the middle of this urban landscape that's really on the down low in bad shape, they got this magnificent waterfall. The only other place I've seen this is Spokane, Washington. Downtown, they got a waterfall in the middle of the park, which is as magnificent as the falls in Patterson. Not far from Coeur d'Alene, Iowa, where all the white supremacists are. Oh, I need my Fetty Wap, man. I need my Fetty, 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 Fetty. Yeah, here he is. Going to do six years for bringing in kilos of cocaine. He had all kinds of money, but still. Yeah, let me hear it. What did he say? Yeah. Yeah. What a Gabon. What a moron. Why didn't you, you do uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and get a glass eye, man? You look like Cyclops in those uh, rap videos. You know, he's always pulling on his BVDs because it's hanging off his tookets. Yeah, yeah, I'm Fetty. I'm Fetty. I'm down by law, right? You going to jail, homie. You're going to be somebody's mate there because you soft. You're never going to hear Frank Morano talk like this, right? Never. Geek Boy will never talk like this. Anyway, let's go to uh, Brandon, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brandon. Hey, Curtis. On uh, Friday, Fetty Wap made uh, Frank's listed denunciations, except he called them Fetty Wap. (laughs) (laughs) He ought not venture into that territory. That is not his thing, Brandon. Oh, no, not at all. Do you think he could answer your trivia question? Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Well, let's uh before I get to the uh the other two answers, you ever see that one photo on his uh public page, his personal page? I guess it was probably when he was in college or something or maybe freshly out, but he's standing with this really pretty girl and he's standing there and he's got this big Cheeto stuffed up his nostril. And that girl looks so uncomfortable. But why would you leave that up there? You're a professional. Well, I got to tell you a little bit about this uh, purple pirate. He was a graduate of Tottenville. No, yeah, Tottenville. Tottenville High School. Huge campus. It's like a junior college for a high school, uh, public high school. But um, he took that photo Actually, a photo from his graduation, and it's on his Facebook. That's his Facebook photo uh, when he was a senior in Tottenville High School. That tells you a lot right there, Brandon. There's something Mm. psychosomatically wrong with this young man. That's that's why he won't uh, say his birthday or his age, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. You got to play okay. games. You got to you got to sort of like be Karnak the magnificent. You got to try to guess. What his age is. Mm. Once in a while, he'll let something slip where you can kind of pinpoint it. But uh, anyway, enough about that subject. Um, number one is uh, other people's uh, putty tat. Let's put it that way. And uh, the second one is meanest and leanest rhymes with meanest and cleanest. So I'm sure uh, people could put that one together. Uh, no, don't be so sure that some people can put that together. They're like brain dead. They're like brain dead. 
I forgot we're not on another side of midnight, so you're now, right about that. Now, we're dealing with the Frank Morano audience. Understand who you're mm-hmm. talking to, Brendan. That's right. So we could say maybe uh, pen 15. How about that? Yes, because uh, it's special ed time. Yeah. We need remedial training for the radio listeners of the Frank Morano uh, syndicated network. You know, Curtis, I do have one uh, one beef with you. Whenever you have one of these marathons, I don't get any sleep. Going on almost 72 hours now, no sleep. Just remember, Brandon, you give me beef and I bust teeth. And I will let you know <laughs> that I must follow the dictates of our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, who has cast me with the responsibility of breaking my own record that I had set just Three months ago, 30 hours and 72 hours of broadcasting, Curtis, and now I've had to ratchet it up to 40 hours. Curtis is going for the record. Wow. God bless you, Curtis, and uh, thank you. No problem, Brandon. Just think, I get an opportunity in three months to turn it around and break my own record, right? It doesn't get any better than that. And let me warn all of my colleagues here at WABC, not just that Mama Luke, that slacker, that deadbeat Frank Morano. You give me a minute, you give me a half hour of a show to do, you give me an hour of your show to do, you may not get it back. In fact, even if you sent it back, COD, forget it, all the money in the world, you ain't getting it back. They don't seem to realize I'm like a Pac-Man, Pac-Woman. I'm not going to be satisfied until I'm doing 24-7-365 all day, all the time, courtesy while on the radio. Now, I think if I had to listen to that, I think I'd shoot myself in the head to stop me from doing that. I really do. You know, I think that's a little bit unfair. That's a little over the top, don't you think? That's a little too much Curtis Sliwa. You get your hors d'oeuvre. You get your entree, and you get your rice pudding, too. All courtesy of WABC, John and Margot Katsimatidis and Red Apple Media. I think I'll take the rice pudding, right? But don't put the cinnamon on it. I hate rice pudding when they put cinnamon on it. And I tell them, don't, don't put the cinnamon on it. I tell them, every diner, every diner in Jersey, from Hudson County to Camden County, yeah, ask for a little rice pudding, and I tell the, the waiter or the waitress, no cinnamon. I hate it with the cinnamon. What do they do? In front of you, they pour the cinnamon on it. Hell no. <sighs> Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And don't go to sleep. We're taking you to the break of dawn. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Now, who is this? Diva of all divas. No, it's not Mariah Carey. It's Baby Got Back, J-Lo. Legitimately from the Bronx, Castle Hill. Then went to uh, Preston High School, Catholic all-girls high school in the neck, Throg's Neck, in the Bronx. So, J-Lo has stellar, I'll call it stellar Bronx credentials. Legit. Recently, I was up at Patricia's restaurant in the neck, and they were celebrating the graduation of the senior class of young ladies from Preston. And I happened to walk in there because I was having a meeting with uh, my aide-de-camp, Arnold Salinas, Arnold 13. He's been with me for 46 years. And George Hav Havernack and his assistant, Michelle, as we were plotting his victory in the upcoming Republican uh, primary, June 27th, against a few different uh, fellow Republicans in the 13th uh, City Council Manic District that takes in Morris Park, Van Ness, the Neck, and City Island. Yeah. And you know it's going to be occurring in a few hours, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on City Island. The annual Memorial Day Parade. That's one I've never been to. I must admit, I've been to most, but not to City Island. And if I remember correctly, maybe some of you can correct me, that after that fake, phony, fraudulent Fugazi from the Bronx, AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists and the uh, Justice Warriors, beat Joe Crooked Crowley was never in his district, but living in Arlington, Virginia. Remember, he was in the queue. He was going to replace Nancy Pelosi. There would have never been a Hakeem Jeffries if Joe Crowley had remained in place. But Joe Crowley crashed and burned because he just didn't run a campaign. He tried to mail it in, and to her credit, AOC and her minions are socialists. Busted their shoes, went door-to-door, did good old-fashioned retail politics, and she won the seat. And I think it was in that first term she actually went to the Memorial Day Parade on City Island. If I'm correct or wrong, please give me some constructive criticism or pat me on the back so hard I've got to go for a chiropractic adjustment in a few hours. I prefer that rather than the constructive criticism. But when you're wrong, you're wrong. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The reason I bring that up is, just like George Santos has been a fraud all of his life, to a great degree, Sandy Ocasio, yeah, that's her name, Sandy Ocasio, when she went to Yorktown Heights High School in Westchester, she didn't go to Preston in the Bronx. She didn't go to Dodge, the old all-girls high school near Bronx Zoo. And she didn't go to Lehman, which used to be the old all-girls high school in the Bronx, near the reservoir near Kingsbridge. No, she went to Yorktown Heights. And she was Sandy Ocasio. By the way, whose mother has fled Westchester and moved down to Florida. And when a reporter caught up with her and said, why would you have left Westchester, you lived in a nice area of Yorktown Heights. Why did you come down to the Panhandle near Pensacola in Florida? And she said to the reporter, quote, unquote, I wasn't going to be stupid anymore and pay all these taxes in Westchester and New York State. I came to live in Florida. And it's a better quality of life. Mother 
of AOC all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But I will tell you this, uh, when I was walking in the College uh, Point Memorial Day Parade, in which I've done that with the Guardian Angels each and every year, it dawned on me that, hey, wait a second, Curtis, we never really see the congressperson who represents this area. You know, it's not like I got the maps memorized in the back of my medulla and cerebellum. So today I double-checked, I triple-checked, I quadruple-checked with the masses, and I said, who's your congressperson uh, here? And they said, AOC. Do you ever see it? No. You think she can find College Point with a GPS? No. Does she even know that it's part of the city of New York, never mind her district? No. Because she really does not think that she has to answer to the people of College Point. But the other night, she was in Corona at her town hall meeting, and boy, did she get blowback. Blowback from the far left and blowback from the far right. Is this uh, WWE? Now, that was from the right. That was from the far, far right. There was a guy there who AOC describes as a perpetual pain in her tuchus, her dupa, who she ordered the police, right? Someone she never deals with the police. She hates the police. She defunds the police. She wants to remove the police. But in this case, she told the police under no circumstance are you going to let this fellow socialist of mine come into my town hall meeting? And so he was blocked. He was not provided access. The egress was denied to him. Hang out here if you want. Well, why can't I, he go in? Because Tony can't go in. That's why. Why is that? Because Tony can't go in. So he's not allowed in. Yes, he's not allowed in. Why? I'm telling he's not allowed in. Why? I don't think reason. I'm telling he's not allowed in. So that's the reason. If you want to hang out here, hang out here. Thank you. It's just kind of ridiculous to me. They're not giving me any kind of reason whatsoever. They just escorted me out. I registered for this. I'm a constituent, and they're not allowing me in. Unfortunately, I I do not personally make the rules. It's their event, and they can invite or invite whoever. You can wait over here for now. Maybe they'll change something. No problem. Mm. 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 This guy was shut out. He was going to go into the town hall meeting in Corona and say, AOC, why are you voting in favor of subsidizing the war of Zelensky versus uh, Putin? There are many uh, on the far left and far right who share that viewpoint that that aid uh, and that tactical air support we give Zelensky should stop. But he wasn't permitted to say that in the meeting, as others were kept out also. 
But then it sort of takes us back to previous town hall meetings when she sits up on the stage, she rocks her feet back and forth, and then she lollygags. All right, enough. I'm ready to, like, hang myself. God, what a voice. Not ready for prime time. Not ready for prime time. And yet the crowd was packed to the rafters of this town hall meeting of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Corona. And the crowd turned on one another like piranha. Those on the far left and those on the far right. Why'd you waste your time? And then uh, a heckler told AOC to be more like, oh, this had to really hurt. Frank's favorite in his mind, he views her as a sweetheart. Tulsi Gabbard, lady in white, who has that gray streak in her hair, just like Frank has now, in solidarity with Tulsi. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? Wow. See, that came from the far, far left. One of the few times that there was solidarity between the far, far right and the far, 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 far left. Can I hear that last one again? Boy, he, that, that, that's a fellow socialist there. It's almost like when you used to go to Communist Party meetings, American Communist Party meetings, like I was apt to do uh, when I was a young adult, and you'd have Stalinists screaming at Trotskyites, thinking that they were the worst of the worst, when really their enemy were the capitalists, right? But not here. Oh, no. This socialist turned on the queen of socialists. And he wasn't gonna take it anymore, AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. 
You are the establishment and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? I think that's a little extreme. Because of AOC, we're going to end up in a nuclear war because she believes to continue to support Zelensky versus Putin. Think that's a little extreme? That we're all going to be turned into a glass highway because of AOC's encalcitrance? Or words to that effect. You know, those $5 words, those multisyllabic words. I have difficulties with that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jack in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Good morning, Curtis. I know this is a few segments ago, but I was wondering if you knew what transpired with uh, Charles McCord when he announced he was leaving. It seemed that Imus was was surprised and pissed. And if anybody could write a tell-all book, it would be Charles McCord, but I think he's too much of a gentleman to do that. Well, I'm really not familiar with what their personal relationship was. Remember... I was at WABC competing against them at that time, first with Angels in the Morning, my wife Lisa at that time, and then eventually uh, with Ron Kuby, whose mommy was a commie. I, I think the way it was related to me is that McCord really wanted to go and live in Missouri. I'm not sure where in Missouri, but apparently um, <clears throat> either he spent a lot of time there or he was born there. Uh, He's in Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas, okay. Um, uh, didn't didn't quite understand that kind of a riff. It had to be more than just wanting to be back in Arkansas. had to be that probably uh, they hadn't run their time. It's very difficult to work together as a team or to have a partner without eventually things falling apart. I, I just speak yes. from personal experience on that. Towards the end, I think, I think Deirdre was pulling the strings. A lot. I think she was behind the scenes pulling a lot of strings. And, uh, you know, he would, Imus was a chameleon. Whatever was popular at the time, that's what he was, his big thing was. And uh, that's what I didn't like about him. You know, I mean, he was great. Don't get me wrong. He was hysterical. I wish he had done all his old shtick from the 70s, which was hysterical. But uh, in the end, he just was just an angry guy. He was just just angry, you know. That was part of the problem because, Jack, you would only get uh, sort of snippets of that uh, in his broadcast. That's the way he was when the mic was not hot and he was off mic. Oh, he was nasty to deal with. I mean, nasty. And don't be in the same room with him. He wouldn't hesitate to pull out his loaded gun and blast you into the hereafter. And then blame it on PTSD. And you'd say, PTSD? Did you serve in the military? Yeah, yeah. I think he served in the Marines. He served in the band. But I can't imagine he had PTSD from being in the band. But you never know, right? You just never know. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
yeah. Chaka, 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 con. Oh, come on, Matt Blaze. You could have done better than this, Jamie. But then again, you never played Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan on the nationally syndicated Frank Morano show, heard coast to coast, do you? Chaka Khan? Yeah, here. Now, now we got it. Now we got it. Chaka Khan, let me rock it. Let me rock it, Chaka Khan. Let me rock it. That's all I want to do. Chaka Khan, let me rock it. Let me rock it, Chaka Khan. Let me rock it. Let me feel for you. Chaka Khan, what you tell me? What you want to do? Do you feel for me the way I feel for you? Chaka Khan, let me tell you what I want to do. I want to love you. want to hug you. want to squeeze you too. Let me take it in my arm. Don't mess with Chaka Khan. She's no diva. She's from Chi-Town. By the way, you saw what happened with that new socialist uh, mayor, Johnson, who replaced, uh, what was her name? Lightfoot, lightweight, Beetlejuice, friend of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. You saw how uh, they put together uh, 30 violence interrupters. The governor had announced, oh, this is going to stem the violence of the Memorial Day weekend, which is sort of like wartime activity. Well, guess what? I guess those 30 violence interrupters didn't interrupt any violence. 36 shot, 8 dead. The body toll mounting. Chicago, Chi-Town, out of control. And now being run by a socialist. Not a democratic socialist of America, a socialist. How did Johnson get into uh, office? Well, Bernie, the Altacaca Sanders, the godfather of the socialists, went in there and campaigned for him along with AOC, all our crazy Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, the socialist queen. You know who Chaka Khan is, uh, Matt Blaze, uh, Avery? Chaka Khan lives in Chicago, his birth there, and is a follower of screwy Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam. Yep. Every Savior's Day at McCormick Plaza, when he calls all of his screwballs together, the fruit of, of the fruit of Islam, he calls them, right? The fruit of the loom boys, I call them. Who's sitting in the front row? Say it ain't so. Chaka, 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 Khan. <laughs> Say it ain't so, chaka. Oh, and then when I was living in Grand Park, yeah, I had to live in Grand Park to organize the Guardian Angels in Chi-Town. That's right near the North Shore. And the reason I was living in Grand Park is my Sliwa family, which lived in the south side of Chicago, would not allow me to come over there because they said the mayor and the police superintendent, Brainiac Brizak, want to arrest you. The mayor at that time was Jane Byrne, who was like half in the bag. Wasn't part of the Daily Machine. She was terrible. She basically told the police superintendent, Brainiac Brizak, you see that, Sliwa? Have him arrested. Put him in the Cook County Jail. Whoa. Only been there once. Only for a few days. I would not recommend any time spent in the Cook County county jail it makes rikers island seem like paradise nirvana our number is 1-800-848-9222 let's go to rick in elmwood park your turn to be heard here at wabc rick hey curtis i have a question 
uh, do Matt Blaze and Frank Morano hate animals? And let me give you the context. I spoke to Frank the other night, and I said I was trying to protect the whales and the dolphins, stopping the sonic surveying of the oceans. And he let me talk for a minute, and then he said, Matt Blaze has heard enough from you, and he hung up. Does, does Matt have an explanation for that? So, Rick, let me get this straight. The Mama Luke Frank Morano uh, introduced you to Mr. Click? Yeah. Wow. You know, just for that reason, and that reason alone, I am going to dedicate the next hour to the whales, to the dolphins, and to the sharks. You don't sound excited, Rick. I'm all for the animal rescue, dude. That's one of my main causes. You do know this is the sound of not just any whale. This is the sound of the new and improved orca whale, the killer whale, better known as Chamu El Jefe Chris Christie. Hey, have you heard about them attacking the ships lately? Yes. In fact, on the Animal Welfare Hour from 11 to 12, my wife explained how the orca killer whales were so upset that their matriarch of their uh, colony was injured by a boater that they began attacking boats off the coast of Spain indiscriminately. They were seeking revenge. They wanted a blood feud to take place with, uh, what can we call them, the remnants of the conquistadores. Yeah, I'm Rick, in honor of you... The next hour will be spent talking about the crisis of God's largest mammals, the whales. Would you like to hear about the humpback whales or the sperm whales, Rick? Actually, I have an alternative theory to why the orcas are attacking ships. I think it might have to do with the sonic surveying that's bothering so many whales and hurting so many whales. So you mean all of a sudden they got together and bum-rushed the various boats uh, that were sailing uh, off the coast of Spain? How can they send the message that they can't live in an environment with constant noise? Hmm. Hmm. It's very astute of you, Rick. It's very cogent of you, Rick. It's very deep of you, Rick. We will discuss this at length. Let me give credit where credit is due. Saturdays, I'm on one hour with Anthony Weiner, left versus right, three to four. And that was all part of... My attempt that I'm in the middle of to uh, fulfill what John Katsimatidis has asked me to do. Look, here's my. This is going for the record. Here's my. What are you? What are you pleasurizing yourself? I mean, is that a difficult cut to get? You would think you would have that cut at the ready, right? Curtis is going for the record. Do I have to give you the cue? Curtis is going for the record. 
And that'll be 40 hours out of 72 hours of broadcasting, 40 hours out of a three-hour broadcast, three-day broadcast uh, time in which I was doing some of it a.m., some of it p.m., some of it in bits and pieces, and some of it in long form as I take you to the break of dawn. Nobody going to sleep. But my colleague, our colleague, Rob Astorino, did an outstanding job on Saturday from 4 to 5. He had a guest on, a female guest who really was able to critique uh, for an average listener what was going on in terms of the life of whales, the life of porpoises, the life of dolphins, how they have been so addled and distressed by what the green team is doing to them. I cannot blame this on AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, she certainly has encouraged green energy, so have I, but it's time to put the skids on this. Stop any further assembling of those massive uh, turbines that are attached to the windmill six miles off the coast until it can be better studied and understood as to whether that is what is causing so much harm to the whale community and colonies and to the dolphins and to the porpoises and no doubt to the whole ecosystem. 1-800-848-9222. And in addition, oh, we're going to have to uh, talk a little bit about <laughs> the continued collapse of Fortune 500 companies that hook on to transgenders. Men, women, frozen vegetables, he, she, me, they, whatever you want to call them at the spur of the moment. You know, it's cute at first. It was entertaining for a while. Now it's caused measurable fiscal grief for any corporations that think they're going to be hip happening, attract new clientele, promote an old product to a new generation. Not quite so fast. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. To the break of dawn, you're not going nowhere. Break of dawn, nobody goes to sleep on me. Oh no. Stay down, 
And remember, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to break my Guinness World Book record. Curtis is going for the record. Got it. Got to do it. 40 hours out of 72 hours of broadcasting. I can do it. Going for the record. I can do it. Curtis is going for the record. They come in as we speak. Busloads of illegal aliens invading our country and gaining access to our city. Where are they being unloaded? In front of the Roosevelt Hotel, where they're being processed, and then eventually they'll be circulated throughout the five boroughs or into surrounding suburbs of New York State. Where other than Westchester County, where George Latimer, that poo put wants him, every other county executive has said no. Most recently on Friday at 5 o'clock, Steve Ballone, the last holdout, decided no mas, no mas. He needed an executive order put through this county legislature that said no illegal aliens from New York City. No mas. No mas, no mas. Just think, you can live in America, but you could be an influencer. You could have an Instagram account of 10 million. And you could be so freaky deaky, so off the hook, so confusing, that you could bring down Fortune 500 companies. Could I hear again, a year ago, Dylan Mulvaney, Crazy, erratic, out of a mind, his mind, I don't know which pronoun to use, talking gibberish, and suddenly from that gibberish went on to become an influencer for transgender Anheuser Bush. 
So I recently told my parents that I may be a little bit romantically interested in women. And that was a big shock for them considering the past 10 years of coming out as gay, then queer, then non-binary, then trans. And I think it was just a bit of a shock. So I tell my dad and he goes, well, I would love to see you get a woman pregnant. And I said, oh, no, no, no. She would be getting me pregnant. And then he said, what, do you have a vagina now? And I said, never say never. And then I tell my mom and she goes, I would just love to see you own property one day. And in California, that's sort of, you know, a, a parent's dream. It's not having kids or getting married. It's, it's, are you able to own a house? Um, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. What a freak. Who the hell ever entrusted that? I don't know what to call her anymore. I've run out of gender identification terms. Did you hear her give a whole slew? I want to hear this, the beginning of that, one more time. All the things she's gone through in her mind, body, and soul just in the last year alone. So I recently told my parents that I may be a little bit romantically interested in women. And that was a big shock for them considering the past 10 years of coming out as gay, then queer, then non-binary, then trans. And I think it was just a bit of a shock. Shock! So I tell my dad... It's weird! You're a nut job. You're a screwball! Anybody else would have been put in a straitjacket, shot with thoracene, and put in a psychiatric hospital. But oh no, Dylan Mulvaney became the number one influencer in America and single-handedly has taken down Anheuser-Busch. The Clydesdales, they've, they've been put out to pasture. Nobody wants the Clydesdales anymore. Today, excuse me, yesterday in making the rounds, I didn't see not one degenerate drinker drinking Budweiser Light. Not one. And they were giving away cases of Budweiser Light. Cases! Nobody wanted to drink it. No moss. No moss. Not even the illegal aliens at the Roosevelt Hotel. Or at the hotel I first described to you that was the hotel for the sanctuary known as New York City. The old Milford Plaza. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, we'd be staying up till wee hours in the morning watching Joe Franklin on the Superstation WWOR Channel 9 seen across the nation, and all of a sudden, potential tourists would be lured into the Venus flytrap of the gateway to the world Times Square by this commercial. Come on along, I'll take you to the lullaby of Broadway. The Hickory and Valley Who, the lullaby of Broadway. And in the center of it all, Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail, dinner, and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby of Broadway. Oh, yeah. And the Milford Plaza fell on hard times. Like most hotels, no tells. Uh, motels, holiday inns without the express because of the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. Got it. And so it went through bankruptcy and eventually emerged as NY Row. You walk out there, as I did hours before, 
I continued on my trek to establish a new Guinness World Record of having done 40 hours of talk radio in just 72 hours of broadcast. Look at that. You can't find it. Curtis is going for the record. My God. You know, it doesn't require being a Mensa board operator here. And hey, we almost did, Curtis, man. I know. Get ready to land the plane, man. Man, let me tell you something. He's not used to doing this with Frank Morano. You know, it's so predictable, <laughs> right? I move in a million different directions at the same time. And Matt Blaze is looking at me like, which way did he go? Which way is he going? Which way did he go? You ready to lock it down. Damn right. We're going to lock down that Milford Plaza, a.k.a. NY Row, Filled to the brim with Venezuelans. Single. Able-bodied Venezuelans who are laughing at us, wearing designer clothes, high-priced watches. They already have iPhones, smartphones. They haven't lived in Venezuela in the past seven years. They fled when Hugo Chavez died of stomach cancer because he insisted on going to Cuba for medical treatment instead of Miami. And then he died. And he appointed Maduro, the bus driver from Caracas. And there was fears of a civil war. So a lot of Venezuelans fled. But they lived in Colombia, in Chile, in Argentina, in Brazil, and were doing relatively well. And then they heard the borders are open. Sucker New Yorkers are paying for asylum. Come one, come all to Nueva York. And who's going to meet you and greet you at the Port Authority bus terminal? Swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams. Mayor of the Illegal Aliens. Well, let's get an update. Somebody who has worked tirelessly morning, noon, and night to be at the beck and call of the Illegal Aliens gave us a report that was not all that promising. The young little Venezuelan kitty poos apparently are half in the bag and smoking weed. Every day we find about 10 kids alone in their hotel rooms, either drinking or doing drugs. Uh, with uh, weapons will be in the room, but we're not allowed to go in there. We're not allowed to take anything from them. And it's basically a free-for-all in this hotel. Yeah. And you say to yourself, how can that happen? Where's the supervision from the city? Where are the police? Where are security officers? But it only has gotten worse and worse and worse. They're finding fake passports fake social security cards, fake paperwork stuffed into every nook, cranny, and corny of that hotel. We, we, ne- we, we find fake passports, fake social security cards, uh, all kinds of fake documents in this hotel every day. Every day. And then if you get into trouble, as an example, you domestically abuse your girlfriend or your wife, no trouble. No trouble at all. You don't get expelled. You don't get suspended. You don't get kicked to the curb. You get transferred to a different no-tell, motel, holiday inn without it being an express. And if they are kicked out of the hotel, they get sent to a processing center at Port Authority where they get given a second hotel. So say a husband decides to beat his wife up, he will get kicked out and they will just process him into a single man's hotel. So... It's you break the law 
it's not a well we're going to report you to the proper authorities it's let's give you a second or a third hotel room and you you still stay in the city wow you probably get an upgrade right you're a domestic abuser you've just pimp slapped your your wife or your girlfriend you don't even get arrested and even if you did get arrested as a quote asylum seeker they couldn't incarcerate you Instead, you don't get suspended from the hotel. You don't get expelled from the hotel. You get upgraded to a different hotel. Only in America, ladies and gentlemen. Only in America. 1-800-848-9222. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Don't be closing your eyes to five o'clock and then the news hour with Noam Lady. Who knows if no, 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 layman. Who, who? Oh, Alec Barnard, the Marilyn Manson night producer of The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's spelled with an A-L-E-C. Oh, boy. Are we in for a treat? Not really. Uh, and then I'll be joined by John Katsimatidis for the four hours where we're substituting for Sid Rosenberg, who's putting on lotion at the ocean in the Irish Riviera as he returns to Bell Harbor, where his pipes had burst right before Christmas. And he has been like a illegal alien going from motel, motel, holiday in without the express, motel six, super eight, top shelf. No star, three star, five star hotels. He's finally back home where he needs to stay. Because when he's roaming around, he's bumping into illegals who actually, they say to Sid Rosenberg down at the desk, sorry, no room in this inn. What do you mean? Well, we got illegal aliens in from Colombia. We got illegal aliens in from El Salvador, Honduras. We have illegal aliens in from Bolivia. Sorry, no room at the end for you, Sid Rosenberg. And that's the problem, is that we have all these hotels that are not available for tourists, the tourist dollars that we desperately need. And without the tourists, well, let's face it, it's going to be a month of Sundays before this economy writes from the wrong and gets back on track. But let's go right to the phones. To Robert, who's calling from Suffolk County, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Robert. Hey, Curtis. Americans can have illegal aliens arrested. What do you mean they, they, can, be- <clears throat> they can have them arrested? Very easily. Any jurisdiction that has its own police force or state police in states that are willing to do it can detain illegal aliens migrants for up to 72 hours without charge fingerprint photograph do background checks and when one of them has forged documents or they pop as a terrorist a criminal a fugitive whatever the case they can be held and then the jurisdiction 
can apply directly to the federal court to deport the illegal alien, and they can hold them. They don't have to turn them over to ICE, where they're going to be redistributed throughout the country. Now, Robert, you're saying they could do it, but you know they're not going to do it. Some will, some can. Well, who? Give me, give, me, give me an example of anybody who's actually been proactive and has moved to do enforcement, as you say the law allows them to do with illegal aliens. Curtis, you know it's always been, is now, and will be a law enforcement problem. No, I disagree. It's not a law enforcement problem. It's a problem of the president, Joe Biden, who will not complete the wall and will not shut down the border. And we know why that is going on old, uh, the old reality that if you want an increased number of persons who are voting as Democrats, the quickest way to get them is to bring in the illegal aliens normalize them, naturalize them. At some point, they'll be eligible to vote first in municipal elections, local elections, then state elections, and maybe, maybe at some point, federal elections. Right now, they're focused on those that have work visas and those that have green cards, and they've tried to shove that through the city council. They were successful. They had a majority. The mayor signed it into law. Thank God, a series of Republicans led by Congresswoman Molly Atakis and former, the former state chairman of the GOP, Langworthy, went to court and got a restraining order on that. Or in municipal elections, these upcoming city council manic elections, in addition to the normal people registered, people who had green cards or work visas would be able to vote. That's crazy. Let's go to Robert, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby. Good morning, Curtis. Well, you know, since you're talking about crazy people, maybe one of these days you'll tell us about the latest doings of everybody's favorite anti-Semite, that sour peach from Georgia, Seesaw Marjorie Daw. But that's for another time, because I call to give you a little history lesson about Memorial Day. Last October, on Columbus Day, while you were extolling, and I totally agree with this, you were totally extol, ex, extolling the virtues and many contra, positive contributions of Italians and Italian-Americans. We had the annual controversy that goes on every year, Italians, Italian-Americans versus First Nations folks. Some call them indigenous, some call them Native Americans, some call them Indians. I call them what they are, First Nations folks. And you made what I call eh, a flippant, casual sort of comment. Well, maybe these folks should have their own day, et cetera, et cetera. But you didn't never told us which day it should be. And I went looking through my numerous historical notes, and I said, well, it can't be the day of Wounded Knee, or it can't be the day of the Sand Creek Massacre, or it can't be the day of this or that, or the Trail of Tears. And I thought to myself, well, what contributions? I mean, what, what can we talk about? And then I thought, two things. World War II. One of the great secrets of World War II that nobody knows about, you know about it, because I'm sure you've read about it, and I know about it because I've studied it and I've seen movies on it, were the Navajo Code Talkers. 
and not only the Navajos, but several other tribes that totally fooled the Germans and the Japanese, because the Germans and the Japanese had no idea of native languages. So secret were these Navajo and other code talkers that they were told before they went on their missions that if you are in danger of being tortured, better take your own life, because this was such a classified project that many years after World War II, it was still classified information. Nobody knew about it. The only way I found out was through the late Barry Farber. I was on one of his programs once, and we were talking World War II, and he said, did you know about the Navajo Code Talkers? I said, the what? And he told me the whole story of how they were taken, and they, some of them were in the Pacific on islands like Guadalcanal, Tulagi, Bougainville, and they were monitoring Japanese radio messages, and they were talking back and forth. And for years and months and years, the Japanese never figured out what the code was. And this happened in Europe as well. The Germans never knew what the languages were. And the other project, the other thing that I thought about was what happened in the 1880s, last years of the wars out in Arizona, when we were to, when we were trying to bring. Uh, certain individuals back to the reservation, San Carlos. And one of the people we were trying to bring in was Geronimo, along with Victorio and other leaders of the Apache people who were hiding in the Sierra Madre Mountains. So the U.S. Army decided that they were going to institute what for them was a smart move, and that was to hire scouts, Apache scouts from different groups, Chiricahua, White Mountain Apaches, Mescalero, and under two men, Tom Horn and Al Sieber, a group of scouts were formed, and they went into Mexico, and they eventually tracked down where Geronimo was. They convinced him to surrender. And they told him that the government had said that if he came back to the reservation, that he could stay there. Only the government didn't intend to keep their promise. This happened in many cases with Native Americans, First Nations people. They went back on their word. So you know what happened? All of the scouts and all of their families were put on the same train that took Geronimo and his followers and their families from a train station in Holbrook, Arizona, all the way to Florida, to a hellhole called Fort Marion, which was infested with malaria and dysentery, and they died like flies. They, they fell by the dozens, by the hundreds. They never went back to the reservations. The government had no no intention of letting them back. Not only did the not only did these people go, but the scouts and their families went with them. And yet they gave their lives for their country, a country that didn't want them, a country that was not only put them on the reservations militarily, but tried to commit quasi genocide, et cetera, et cetera. And yet I say, Memorial Day, we should understand and we should accept history and the history of those brave individuals like Ira Hayes. Well, well, let me tell you, let me tell you something. You're not getting any argument from me, Robert. You're not getting any argument from me. Especially the scouts were so important to so many efforts of the U.S. military at that point, particularly the cavalry. Well, you know, the scouts we're talking about now, They're roaming throughout New York State. We've been told I broke this story last week exclusively here on WABC as I've broken so many stories involving these illegal aliens that the theater organizations 
the companies involved in film production, TV, and movies have had to uh, stop any and all of their productions because of this writer's strike. And supposedly they were volunteering their scouts for film locations to the city's agency of the homeless, uh, Department of Homeless Services, so that they could go out and find new locations to be able to lease or rent without telling any of you. That never turned out to be volunteer work. It was a quid pro quo. The owners and operators of those companies were paying their personnel to go out and scout locations for Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and clearly they expected some benefits in return. And you see, you learn the rest of the story. So I pimped, uh, I pimped his ride. Notice how I conflated the Indians the way we mistreated them into what we eventually did in terms of having scouts for our movie industry. Now, a lot of you are saying, what the hell are you talking about? So I think we'll get back to the whales, how they're increasingly being found dead, rolled up on the beaches from South Carolina through Virginia, the Jersey Shore, South Shore of Long Island. And uh, there was a program on Saturday that addressed that extensively, Rob Astorino's show. Just give you a little potpourri of that coming up. As uh, John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator, is warming up in the bullpen, he will be assisting me as I attempt to break the very record that I established just three, three months ago, the Guinness World Book of Records. For nonstop broadcasting within a 72-hour period, I had done 30 hours. I'm now on my way to doing 40 as per the request of John Katsimatidis. Curtis is going for the record. You're damn right I'm going for the record. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Oh, yeah, Billy Joel is moving out, out of the Hamptons, and he's heading where? Florida. Like it seems everybody else is feeling the fear, and then they're getting involved in the flight. The exodus continues. Things are not improving uh, to the level that they should. And this uh, illegal alien issue is stymieing us. It is like really wearing down the structure of government that was meant to give the basic services to the people who are born and raised in America or become naturalized citizens. And instead, our government is bending over backwards for what they claim are the needs of illegal aliens that are totally abusing a system that they call asylum. They call them asylum seekers. First of all, most of these illegal aliens don't even know what asylum is. Can't even say it in their native tongue, which is Spanish. And get ready, ladies and gentlemen, at this rate, English will be a secondary language for us. Maybe a third language. You might have to learn it in the future, your children and grandchildren, through English immersion. And not in this country, but maybe in England. Oh, my God, am I. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Stacy in Detroit. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Stacy. What happened to Stacy? Oh no, she fell asleep. To the break of dawn, Stacy. Stacy. Did you fall asleep on me, Stacy? Sounds like sonar there. Wake up! Wake up! Stacy! Oh! It's Shabu! El Jefe! Chris Christie! As he cruises up and down the Jersey Shore from Wildwood to Point Pleasant. Hellbent on getting involved in this Republican primary process for the presidency, not to win. He's got no chance to win. But to perform as Orca, the killer whale. He'd like to be able to eviscerate Trump on the stage, but Trump might not even submit himself to the debate cycle initially. So he'll have to go through all the mini-me's, my little pretties. I'll do to you what I did to little Marco Rubio back in New Hampshire in 2016, remember? By the way, speaking of whales, great interview. Rob Astorino, you don't want to miss this program on Saturdays, 4 to 5, after left versus right. Yours truly and Anthony Weiner. If you missed Rob Astorino this past Saturday, you got to catch him on the podcast because he was talking whale talk with an expert about the whales who, as we speak, are rolling up on shore, sperm whales, humpback whales, other kind of whales, and mysteriously, they're rolling up dead. We seem to know what the answer is. But he had an expert on who clarified it. This isn't even getting into the harm that we're seeing right now. You know, okay, they haven't confirmed that these projects are causing the whale deaths, but clearly there's something going on when all these big mammals are washing ashore. They're either getting hit by boats or or maybe the sonar and the projects are harming them. Excellent observations. And then he went on in great detail as to what is happening 
all throughout our tri-state area and beyond. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, Joe, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hello? Yes, Joe. Hi, I'm actually calling from Poughkeepsie, but uh, I wanted to thank you for your take on Memorial Day, how it's a very somber day. And even though I never saw combat, uh, I had two of my close friends get killed in naval aviation accidents and uh, one was Steve and one was Bob, and I saw Steve just before he died, and he asked me if I didn't want to go on the airplane that uh, blew up, and uh, I actually, I flew in that airplane the day before, so even before I went to flight school, I'm in Arlington National Cemetery uh, giving the flag to his fiance, and uh, my my other friend Bob was killed in a uh, a, a needless, uh, a, a very tragic accident at uh, Cecil Field, where uh, three people died all at once. And I just, I just thank you that it's not Happy Memorial Day. It's a very somber occasion to, to remember the people that you know, even even not in combat, uh, gave their lives for this country. Well, look, uh, Joe, I, I truly feel that and I've felt that as I've gone from commemoration and wreath layings to the actual Memorial Day parades. I'll continue to do that today when I finish the broadcast cycle. But look, we had a man as great as Cousin Bruce, the greatest DJ of all time, spinning stacks of wax. This is what he had to say to the audience this past Saturday night. Now, I, I say to you, there's nothing wrong I want to get, a, get this straight here for me, that there's nothing wrong with wishing somebody a happy Memorial Day. I mean, it is. I think for most of us it really would. But long as you remember, right, what this holiday is all about, right, that we are here because of people who, well, are not. That's what it is. And about the families. That's all I ask you, right? Well, we can say happy holiday. I think it's great. Happy holiday to you, Mr. Christian. So, Joe. Uh, Cousin Brucey seemed to address both arguments. Uh, he feels you can say Happy Memorial Day, but he also had the caveat that you have to understand the solemn occasion of of the holiday. But I, I think I think he's not experienced. You know, people people that don't experience the loss, you know, that, that aren't there at the graveside, you know, that see see the loved ones crying, not trying to understand. How how they could lose even in peacetime, you know, just just due to a, a crazy accidents, uh, you know that, that the engine blew up on the airplane that ki- killed my friend Steve, and like I said, I flew in the airplane the day before. Mm. So it just when you have tragedies like that, I, I guess at least for us, you know, for people who have experienced it, I I could never say Happy Memorial Day. It's just maybe it's just me. I just, I just I just can't look at it that way. Well, I want you, Joe, also to listen to uh, a lifetime caller here to WABC, a valued caller, because uh, he lives in Jackson Heights, Queens. It is the land of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and her mini-me's. So he's always fighting the good fight. He's called in frequently. He's oftentimes extraordinarily cogent, and uh, he doesn't go on and on, but he too, BJ, while talking to Rita Cosby on Friday before I came on the year, the air to take everyone to the break of dawn, he also came to that uh, cousin Brucey uh, 
thought process in terms of wishing people a happy Memorial Day. Let's go to BJ, line four. BJ, your thoughts. So, you know, um, I'm like, I, I, I'm really not liking, uh, by the way, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Oh, thank and, you. And uh, it's an important yeah. day to honor it, honor it those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, you know, and yeah. for our freedom to, to vote and express ourselves. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, uh, don't forget uh, those who uh, gave their life for freedom and served our country because uh, we wouldn't uh, be worrying about it uh if uh, if they weren't there for us. So uh, anyway, absolutely. Thank you, BJ, for saying that. Thank you. So there you go, Joe. BJ basically has settled into that same position. Now, these are two guys who grew up as baby boomers, as I did. They learned about the solemn nature of uh, the Memorial Day commemorations, wreath layings and attendance at cemeteries and also the parades uh, that follow. And yet they seem to be moving in a direction that you can say happy Memorial Day. But I, all I would say is it, I don't think either of those two people have ever had to give the flag that was just folded off the coffin of, of, of my friend to his fiance and, and say on behalf of the grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our nation's appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. I just don't think those people have done that. And I understand that the hurt will follow you into your grave someday. You can never extract it. You can never erase it. Uh, It is as real to you today as it was when you first heard of the demise of your comrades. Uh, And it is all part of that effort that so many have made to preserve our freedoms, to provide us with uh, a security, uh, protective uh, sort of, um, what can I call it, insulation, without which we could never exist in the manner that we do or be able to express ourselves in the way we do, especially here on talk radio where we're so opinionated. So uh, I salute you, Joe keeping the memories of your your comrades alive, but more importantly, promoting to those uh, that are trying ever so slowly to change the nature of the Memorial Day holiday. I think only because of the solemnity of it, they feel that we need to sort of do both. And I would uh, side with Joe, and I would side with the old school way of looking at the Memorial Day weekend. Let's go to Bobby, who's calling from Jersey City. Your your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Good morning, Curtis. Thank you for taking the call. Um, just a shout-out, a respectful shout-out to all the veterans who lost their lives protecting this great nation. Personal shout-out, I was four years old. My cousin Chester Butchie Jarmolinsky, a recon marine radio operator, got killed in Vietnam. I still remember it. I was four years old. Terrible tragedy for my family. And overall, my my father was a a B-17 radio operator, 18 missions over Germany. He survived. Apparently, I'm here. My stepdad was on the Bunker Hill aircraft carrier off Okinawa, the worst kamikaze attack in the whole World War II Pacific Theater, lost 393 men. He survived. 
but his whole life he was affected by post-traumatic stress, would never talk about it ever, and didn't even receive a Purple Heart, Curtis. He didn't want it, you know. That's that generation, Curtis. Just amazing people, you know. And I just, I just want to shout out to all these guys who suffered. And nowadays, the guys, I mean, retired fire captain Curtis, and I had fellas from Fallujah, Iraq, Afghanistan. These guys suffered tremendously with that post-traumatic stress. And uh, that's about all I have to say, Curtis. Thank you, and uh, thanks, thanks for the call, Curtis. Bye-bye. No, couldn't say it any better than that. Those that suffered the most, I can't say it enough, having been in their company earlier on uh, Sunday at the annual Forest Hills Memorial Day Parade down Metropolitan Avenue, assembling right at the American Legion Hall. The Vietnam War veterans, without a doubt, ostracized, shamed, put into a corner, forced to question their own service to a country that upon their return was negative and took it out on the servicemen as opposed to on the elected officials who made the decisions to send them there. Kennedy, who mucked it up, JFK, followed by Johnson and then uh, Nixon. All three of them responsible for that disaster that we got involved in. And yet, it was the individual men who served who came back to a nation that was angry. Angry at them, instead of being angry at the elected officials who put us in that position. Let's go to Phil, who's calling from Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Phil. Yes, hello, Curtis. As a Vietnam veteran, I'll be... uh marching in one of the parades out in Nassau County tomorrow, and I want to bring a big shout-out to the brave men that stormed the beaches of all of uh, Normandy. I know what it's like being an 18-year-old and being a little worried, but always keeping my chin up because this was my country, and uh, I always remember forgotten country, and uh, our day will be Veterans Day and November 11th, and I got to tell you something. On that day, Veterans Day, they should have the kids stay in school that day and watch videos of the brave men that saved this country because I don't know what's left of this country. You know, I totally concur with you. I've said what you just expressed over and over. We had a whole history channel, you know, that became the Hitler channel for a while. That was sort of like the only videos you saw on the History Channel was about World War II, the lead up to it, and then its aftermath. But you're so right. We give these kids the day off for Veterans Day. Do we really think they're studying about what veterans have done over the years? The answer is no. And I've also gone uh, further to say, why shouldn't my sons, all three of them, two of them that I know for a fact and having questioned them at length in the lead up to the Memorial Day weekend, were not at all taught anything in the classroom about the significance of the Memorial Day weekend holiday. Not a word to either Anthony, my oldest son, or Hunter, my youngest son. Now, Anthony is out of high school now. He's in pre-college. Hunter is in junior high school. They're both public schools. And, Phil, not a word. And you say to yourself, how could you not? Uh, discuss something that is so important to our nation 
that is so critical for a new generation to understand. And as you said, if you simply want to put a a 72-inch flat plasma screen TV in a classroom for a day and just run some of the old films of the History Channel or have some of the veterans come in from the American Legion, their auxiliaries, veterans of foreign war, their auxiliaries, Jewish war veterans, their auxiliaries, come in and actually talk to the classes. And sometimes you'll find, surprise, surprise, that the veteran visiting your class actually himself, many decades before, went to class in that class and sat in your chair as you're learning there. And boy, how empowering that is, Phil. I just want to also mention that growing up in Brooklyn, that uh, our teachers at PS 75 were all World War II veterans. They taught us, you know, they gave us uh, a great education. And we always knew a cousin or an uncle or a father that fought in World War II. You look at the kids today, today they they don't know. They don't have that uh, history. They don't know somebody that's been in the war fighting for their country. And uh, I, I just want to bring back the greatness of this country. And I, I'm happy for you, your program, and others on WABC that still point out that this is a great country because of the men that are fighting today to keep us free. And um, Absolutely, Phil. You have said it all. You encapsulated it. You've said it as well as I've heard anybody speak on this subject in the last few days in the lead up to the Memorial Day weekend. Yesterday, Sunday, important. Today, Monday, even more important as more of the focus is put on. But all in all, with the solemnity of the holiday, I think what needs to be added is the good feeling that you get in being an American. And uh, it's unlike any experience that you'll have anywhere in the world. And I've traveled the world, many, many different locations, many different uh, times. And you always appreciate America more upon your return than you ever did before you left. You start comparing what goes on in other countries and you say, wow, I took so much for granted. You go over to the United Kingdom, the UK. I don't care if it's in Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland. I don't care if it's in England itself. You find out you can't even you can't even criticize the crown, the royal family. There are the consequences. You could be arrested for that. You could be put up in the London Tower. Maybe it's off with your head. Other countries also have a limit. They don't even call it free speech. They call it expression, and if the powers-to-be find that that expression is perceived of as being unfavorable, you all of a sudden disappear. You're put into a gulag. Your family pays an extraordinary price as all of a sudden they are ostracized. Properties are taken from you. Wealth is extracted from you. You all of a sudden have to wear a scarlet letter as you try to negotiate and navigate an existence in that country. That's why, one of the reasons that so many people want to come to America. Sure, they want opportunity. Sure, they want the ability to earn an income and take care of themselves and their families. But the ancillary benefit is they come into a country 
where you could take the president of the United States, whether it's Joe Biden now, Barack Obama before, Donald Trump in between, and criticize them to the high heavens. And there are no ramifications whatsoever. There isn't a place in the world where that can be replicated. Now, what was its origin? came about because men who dared to care went into the field of battle. At times, knowing the odds were stacked against them and the likelihood of them returning on two feet, standing up to engage in conversation with their fellow citizens in America was nil. In fact, on that very day of engaging in battle, the over-under point spread was that if they did return, they would be physically and emotionally maimed, as so many of them are. So as we continue with our programming, as I continue to once again try to establish a new Guinness World Record of broadcasting 40 hours within a 72-time window established by our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis. Curtis is going for the record. I am. And that's why, after an hour block of news by Alec Barnard, Marilyn Manson of the Frank Morano Show, I will return to do the four hours of the Sid Rosenberg Show with John Katsimatidis himself.